We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Most valuable player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep Podcast Network explicit version. I'm just going to call that right now. Post game five podcast, the Milwaukee Bucks go into Phoenix and beat the Suns 123 119. One home win away from Bucks in six, one home win away from the first Milwaukee championship in 50 years. We're here. We're here. We have quite the game to talk about. We, we, I don't know if we need to make sense of it. We just need to enjoy it some more. I'm Ty Windish of the Eurostep Podcast, joined by Adam McGee of the Win in Six Podcast and my fellow Eurostep host, Rohan Kadi. Adam, Rohan, my favorite ask of the season so far. How's it going? It's going great. The game was great. You're back running the ones and twos, Ty, which is important. You know, we're... We, we had some issues earlier. We tried to do a pre-game. Didn't quite come off. People were worried. Rohan, right? In the chat, they were worried. They thought, is this a bad omen? No. It turns out, it's a, should we do it again? Should you and I try to figure out a pre-game? Listen, um, it's been a day. <laughs> Started off with that. Again, uh, apologies for that pre-game not working on YouTube. Should have. I'm still upset about it. Don't apologize. Uh, Everyone's fine. We're here. We're giving the content people want now. It's yeah. fine. What matters. It's just like the Bucks started off shaky. The yeah. end is what matters. The end is going to be great. That's this podcast. They did it. I mean, they did it. It seems like you're, were... you're cutting into my story here. Oh, okay. I didn't know you had a yeah. story. Okay, sure. I, was, I was starting a story. My, <laughs> I wanted. I was going to talk about the Bucks to start Game Five win, but Rohan has a story. Clear yeah, out. Rowan's got Chris Paul over on the left side of the floor. <laughs> so my evening started, you know, again, with that live show going poorly and people on the Internet seeing me struggle in real time, which was awesome. Just awesome. Uh, and then <laughs> my friends, uh, we wanted to go watch the game. I got dragged down to potentially go down to the Deer District, which I was hesitant for, you know, because every time I've gone there, they've lost. 
And I was like, oh, can mm. we go somewhere else? And it's like, okay, we'll try that. Then let's try to head down to that area. Tried going down there under my, you know, like, oh man, should we really do this? Didn't really work out. There are way too many people down there. Downtown Milwaukee is an absolute, just, I don't, I don't know what to say. Like it's, there's so many people there. Just, there's so many people. And it's awesome to see the entire city just flocking to like one six block radius and just embracing everything. Like they're shutting down the streets and everything. People are just walking wherever. It feels like there's a festival going on. That's what it feels like. But that unfortunately means that my friends and I, we could not get good uh, viewing areas to watch the game. So we're like, oh, let's try a couple different places to go watch. And it's like, oh, it doesn't work out. And uh, all the time that I am down there in downtown Milwaukee, just outside near the Deer District, they are down. The Bucks are losing. Every time I've gone to the Deer District, they've lost. I am officially cursed because as soon as I left the area, the Bucks started winning. And they started coming back and they started to win as soon as I was, you know, away from there. I'm cursed. I'm upset about it. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I just have to realize the power that I wield now. Welcome. Wow. Welcome. Yeah. You can't go to games. I can't go to the district. Kendall Marshall would say I shouldn't go to games. (laughs) That's 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 one game. You know, that was rough. Um, it was kind of the end of his career. So, but yeah, it all worked out because all I realized is that I just need to leave, and the Bucks will start winning, and we'll get back to what you were saying, Ty, because they did it. I just quickly on on Milwaukee and the turnout and the energy. I think it's so cool. The city. If you were born in the '80s or later in Milwaukee, you've never seen a team do anything like this. They haven't done it yet, but you've never even seen a team do this. Which is going for born in most finals. of the seventies too. To be fair, uh, eighty-two Brewers. I'm saying this. Oh, okay. All, you're you're going all sports. All. Okay, any, I thought you were just any sports. sport. No, and obviously you know the Packers have, have been better, but Milwaukee itself. If you're born in the eighties or later, you've never seen a team go to the championship like this. You know, maybe if you were born January of nineteen eighty, you remember eighty-two. Add some savant stuff, but it's been a long time. And I just love that just like, you know, some Bucks players that we're going to get to momentarily have answered questions about themselves. Milwaukee and Wisconsin sports fans answered the call. Are are these passionate fans? Are they going to show up? The Deer District is full. It's not an arena. The arena's full too. There's like a neighborhood basically that's full of people going crazy. It's incredible. Like they were at max so capacity cool. like hours before the game started. Yes, like it's I if they do it, knock on wood, can't even imagine what the uh parade situation is gonna be like. Well, I mean, first and foremost, they're gonna need like <laughs> They're going to need to work out some extra capacity. I know they've kind of stretched as far as they can, but you're going to have to you're going to have to figure a way out because regardless of what happens from here, and I think we'll all probably be in agreement on what we think is going to happen from here. Those fans, all the people in Milwaukee, they're going to have a game in their city where if the Bucks win, they're NBA champions, and it's it's kind of beyond belief kind of is you know really unnecessary it's beyond belief but it's reality now for this team and it's also it's not just they're there and it's like oh they could do it it's like this zombie team that just refuses to lose refuses to crumble it's like oh they're down 16 in the first quarter and they look 
terrible, <laughs> terrible against the Suns. It's like, oh no, we'll put Giannis you know, on the bench to start the second, then we'll roll off a run that while Rowan's being turned away from the Deer District and every other surrounding establishment in Milwaukee, the Bucks just are like, yeah, okay, well, gonna get ourselves back at this game and set up a, a potential game six clinching NBA championship. That sounds more sad when someone else says it, by the way. <laughs> Did you try dropping like Ty's name anywhere? Just you know I thought about it. I, I thought about saying like, Ty? oh man, I know Ty Windish. Can I get in here, please? <laughs> you get but kicked like, out nah. even faster. Um, I thought this was going to be the Drew Holiday game at one point, but it's like it's like six different people's games. Like this was such a phenomenal game for the Bucks. I mean, a because they won. I know, Adam, you said this on the post-game four pod and on the win in six mailbag episode. Like, we don't care. It's, we're results over process at this point in the run. It's like you win and it's great no matter what. But just the fact that basically everyone who's been questioned or doubted by us and by everyone on this Bucks team showed up and proved something that it's, it's unshakable from here on out. They proved they – they carved something new into all of their legacies that's just going to stand. And it, it means more if, when, they finish this thing out. But still, in this moment, in this Game 5, for Drew Holiday to have the game he had after the comparisons people were making, Chris to come through again after a slow start after the career he's had, Giannis, who at times looked completely gassed and like he could barely move, decides to just become a surgical passer and then takes over with scoring when need be. Pat Connaughton with one of the all-time great Pat games. Raise it up. Raise it up. I'm I'm encountering I'm more support. I'm convinced. Day. Ty, you've won. I yeah, tweeted won. it out. I yeah. tweeted out it and it went under the radar. I felt no like one people is, no missed one it. is second looking at it anymore. Or yeah, maybe that's it. It's yeah. like no one is gonna they're just like, why is he tweeting things that are just obvious to all of us? Of course Pat's jersey should be retired. I cannot believe that I have been convinced of this. Do you know how much Pat really needed to play for me to get convinced about this? Yeah, and he did it. I He's saw continuing the, to do it. I saw the vision after game I'll seven against defeat. Brooklyn. I, I was like, hey, if the run keeps going, if they do it, and he continues to be that guy, there is a case to be made, and, and the case is out there. And also Portis, who I thought – Really a shame. When start. you say also Portis. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Get it up. I don't, I don't even, I don't right. even know. Okay. Is Bobby where? No, he gets a stash. I don't even know where he wears. What number? I was, that I was answers getting, the question. That's... I was getting back to the single game discussion. <laughs> okay. After a shaky start to this game, when I know Adam had tweeted about it, right after I tweeted, he needs to sit for a few minutes. He just righted the shit by himself. And I thought Lopez, who also didn't start great, um, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, you tweeted he needed to sit for a few minutes, right? Yeah. I said, you know, he needs to just take a break, get the frantic energy down just half a notch, which yes. are two very different things. When he went and he did, he have like two trees on the next couple of possessions. Yeah, people were tanking you for a reverse jinx yes. as if it was intentional, which is, you know, people have a very saw, high opinion. I don't opinion know what you're talking about. I don't know. always saw intentional. But I love how you're trying to just bring me into it as if I was saying the same thing. Put me at the front. Push me over the edge, Ty. I see how it is. 
<laughs> I, people know how you feel about it. no i'm just kidding i'm just this is kidding. this is the guy who was in the comments earlier when rowan and i were drowning <laughs> and he was in the comments making fun of it he wasn't he wasn't coming to our aid was he wrong he was he was trying his best i'll say that oh <laughs> uh, he was trying there was some effort yeah uh, but yeah bobby portis and pat Connaughton. these are it was not the Forget about Jeff T. Whatever. Uh, bench Bob is two guys now. I'm sorry. Game six, he can't play. But we've, um, we've the had the, is like over. we've got everything that was needed out of Jeff T. Like maybe there is just one more good okay. possession at some point needed. But it's like they've got they got one game when they needed it. They've had good moments here or there without him being remotely He's a good. He sucked up all the water he can. He just needs to be raying out, and then he'll be good to go. They mostly treaded water in his minutes outside of a couple very bad spells and one very, very good spell. That is all that you really need. Uh, 7.33. I don't don't think I see that many minutes in game six. We'll see. Not no, worth getting he, into. But. but the one thing I will say on that, because you, like you were talking about the Drew game and this feeds into it. At the time, I was like, this is a disaster, but does not need to do the thing that we're like Monty Williams keeps doing and it's great it's been what's given the books a lifeline to get back into the series which is bench your guy once he gets a sniff of foul trouble and I mean the worst way to do that is with two fouls in the first quarter it's like you know with a lot of game left here yeah. you've still got four fouls to use up what did he finish on four four fouls total yep. so like there was so much kind of leeway there and Bud goes to Teague but I mean, as the game went on, and I was like, maybe just the timing of the rest for Drew kind of worked wonders because he was ready to come in and then just take off. Then, so something worked out there, albeit not how you'd plan or like to ever see again. Yeah, um, especially I echo the never see again. The only guy in the box who's continually getting in foul trouble is Tucker, who okay. If he if he remains the only guy who gets in foul trouble, I can live with it. This is just it's not a great series for PJ. We know the offensive limitations. The rebounding wasn't as useful in this game. He only had one rebound. And defensively, he's just not able to do a whole hell of a lot about Booker. Like he's better than okay, it's gonna sound stupid. He's better than Pat Condon defensively. He's better than Pat Condon at guarding Devin Booker, too but not by that much and not by enough to make the swing and offense favoring Pat. Like it's what I'm trying to say is Pat, I think has more upside in this series than PJ because PJ is not really slowing down Booker all that much. I mean, I think the Suns have also gotten very, they're getting back to getting the mismatches they want and they've been, they hunt Pat. They don't hunt PJ. So he's clearly a better option, but the offense. I mean, he made his three. He had a steal. He had an assist. He moved around a bit again, which is fun. His missed shot was basically a Kobe assist. But PJ, okay. If if there has to be a guy who gets five fouls, I can live with it being PJ Tucker. I, I think the one thing I would give him credit for across this series is, and it's an area where again he has the advantage over Pat. Is he's bigger, he's stronger, and the Suns are trying to have Chris Paul on him as much as they can and just kind of, you know, take possessions off or hide on the other end of the floor. And it's, you know, when PJ comes crashing in for those offensive boards or even when he's just kind of 
he's bruising through you. We talk about like Chris Paul looking kind of worn down on the, the post game four pod. It's like you can hide him on PJ Tucker all you like. That means PJ Tucker is going to barrel through him like multiple times a game. And the same kind of applies for Booker. Like Booker hasn't been bothered by PJ a whole lot consistently in terms of defense, but you're still having to kind of just deal with the kind of wear wearing down effects that having PJ Tucker kind of physically wrestling you, battling with you throughout a game must have as it goes on. So that's never going to show up in a box score, but I do think it's probably it would be easy to um, to overlook, particularly because, okay, Pat's playing anyway at this point. Like, it, it's not like you can just swap one out for the other. And then Bobby just can't do what PJ can do, which is play small, you know? <laughs> just be comfortable enough to move around, move laterally. It's not like PJ is fast in that sense anymore, but he can, he can slide his feet and he can stay in front of the guys. And he can contest from alongside him. He's just obviously a very good defender and much smarter defensive player. But I, I wouldn't, we're not going to talk a whole lot about PJ Tucker if at all the rest of this episode. But I wouldn't kind of overlook when you look at how Chris Paul has played, particularly as the series has gone on. I don't know if their game plan in terms of PJ Tucker and how Chris Paul factors into that has necessarily worked out for them. Like, would he not have been better? I suppose, you know what the thing with the books is? You've nowhere else to hide him, uh, particularly with Dante out. There's no other small guy. So what can you do? You can just uh, you can just live with Chris Paul playing, uh, playing the way he is, which is, uh, you know, it's declined. It's declined a little bit. Say that. The, this, the box score is going to look pretty good because he had, he had an amazing fourth quarter. I mean, 10 points of his 21. Uh, and I think all of, all of his threes or two of his threes, but certainly like three quarters of this game again, it was like Booker versus the Bucks, and mm-hmm. I just feel like we've gotten to a point where that clearly is something the Bucks are down to live with. Like if we can take out CP, and I know the funny thing is like the the gambit that that bet the Bucks are making, you kind of have to hope or you know assume that. The, the role players for the Suns aren't going to hit shots. They all hit shots, and the Bucks still won. Like that, It's like game two when Phoenix shot six, uh, 50%. Phoenix shot like 68% from three in this game. Mikhail Bridges, three for three. Jay Crowder, two for four. Cameron Johnson, two for two. Torrey Craig, one for three. All of the role players hit shots. Book was two for four. Chris Paul was three for three from deep. That's supposed to be like the one way you can beat when you force a, when you funnel a team into one guy. Like if all of his kickouts end up and hit threes, that's how you can lose while doing that defense. The Bucks found a way to win anyway. I mean, it's just we keep saying this on every episode, but I, I don't know how it's not the identity of this team. They just find a way. They find a way to win. They find a way to persevere and keep moving. I just I have just looking at the box score. I have no idea how the Bucks won this game. Realistically, the I have no idea. Percentages are amazing. The they took the same results. number of shots too. But it's incredible. Suns, so Ty and I, I have ESPN open, and Ty has uh, NBA.com/stats, and they're giving us different numbers at the moment. So that's weird. Wait, but, what numbers are different? 
um, just the shooting splits for the Suns are slightly different. Now, they're regardless, they're insane. The Suns shot incredibly well is the point. But like for me, what I'm looking at right now is the Suns shot 55.2% for the field, 68.4% from deep, and 90.9%. What did you say, 68.4? Yeah, it's the same. That's mine too. Yeah, they're showing yeah. 13 for now. Oh, you had, you had 62 when we talked about it earlier. Yeah, it showed me it showed me 13 for 21 at one point. But, okay. So, so they the, shot the, nearly 70% <laughs> from three. 55% for the field and 91% from the free throw line. And they lost the game. And really, they could have lost it by even more. Like, it's just amazing. Amazing. And there's a couple of things in that and what you're saying, too. I think one thing, Chris Paul had a great fourth quarter. Devin Booker didn't give him the ball a whole lot before the fourth quarter. And you said the books are just happy for it to be Devin Booker against the books. And it's like, yeah, absolutely. Because guess what? For his good as Devin Booker is, as good as he is a shot maker, he is not the offensive decision maker that Chris Paul is. It's like, if all the decisions are going to run through Devin Booker, you're going to you're going to find extra kind of bonus possessions where you're coming up with stops here or there that you may not if it was Chris Paul. But the other thing is, yeah, this is like, this is the Jay Crowder series from hell in a lot of ways. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yeah, they're just better. The Bucks guys are better. That was my takeaway, right? Like, Book is great. He's not better than Chris and Drew combined. And that doesn't even account for Giannis. Like with the way CP has been mostly held in check, that's just that the Bucks have too many guys that are too good. Like it's even with role players playing well, they're still not going to consistently play as well as Chris and Drew, the way that they've played as series have gone on this year. And the other thing is, I think game one, we all noticed like when Booker is hitting shots like over Lopez, the Bucks buckled. You could see it. I mean, they changed their strategy heavily, but even on the court, the demeanor, you could see it. Now it's like... doesn't happen anymore. No, Booker comes down, gets Pat. Like Pat tries his best. Don't know so much anyone can do, mm-hmm. especially Pat Connaughton. Gets cooked. Like the Bucks don't care at all. Like they that was our, the ball that was our big thing after score. game one. Yeah, was then, just then like trust doing. yourselves. Yeah. And Bud does not flinch. Bud does not flinch. The players do not flinch. There's no panic. It's like, okay, you want Pat again? Sure, do it. If you score, you score. You're probably not going to more often than not still, though. And it's like, yeah, you know, we'll live with that. And that's that's a big deal. One of the things that struck me watching this, and it's, it's a feeling I've had multiple times before over, I guess, the, the Budenholzer era. It definitely wasn't happening before that. But where the Bucks come up with a really big performance against a really good team, it's on the road, all the energy in the arena is against them, and you're just like, this is the best team in the world. And the thing about when the books have had those games before is it's like December 6th or something. And if you're the best team in the world in December 6th, are you ever really the best team in the world? This was game five of the NBA finals. And you're like, we're looking at the best team in the world. That's like, oh, you know what? Now is the time to look like that. <laughs> They've actually got it right. They've peaked at the right time. Like this... And I think this one in particular, like you look at the big trees play, you look at Pat, you look at Bobby doing his job, Brooke doing his. It's like they've peaked at the right time. They've actually done it. They're not just going out and it's like, yeah, they are. They're finding ways to win. But on this occasion, the way they found a way to win was they're like, oh, yeah, we're all just absolutely great. You know, we've got six guys who are legitimately great and are ready for this moment, ready for this stage. And they're going to outperform your players. And we're talking about like the, the Bucks big tree. It's it's interesting if you flip it to the other side and you look at the Suns, 
Like, for example, DeAndre Ayton had 20 and 10. DeAndre Ayton does not affect these games at all. Like, that's a fake. He did earlier. 20. He did earlier. I thought some of, he poured in buckets for a while. I think he only had eight, in the sec, eight points in the second half, though. I mean, on look. Defense, the, on I defense think, is where he has not been effective. Even I on mean, offense. I think offense. Yeah, they went to him late. The there was a possession later on in the or early on in the fourth quarter yeah. where they sort of cleared the lane or cleared the floor for DeAndre Ayton. Is this when he to posted Brook? Yeah. yeah I was like, that's like, a, that's, you have that's no shot. Call. It's like, <laughs> look decision. how strong Brook is. That possession was amazing. Ayton's <laughs> just like, and Brook's just like, what? Yeah, I'm just going to stand <laughs> What is that there. play call? Brooks but, like, finally, I get to do this. It's been a while. But that's the thing with the Suns, and for as much as their offense is rightly being praised, and Aiton is a crucial part of that and in freeing up Chris Paul. It's like when the game moves away from Paul and more towards Booker, Yeah, it's more about less shot making, important. less about play calling. Aiton, everything he does is suddenly on the margin of the game. So even when he has 20 points with 10 rebounds, you're like, just none of that is swinging the game. You don't feel like... The books have a DeAndre Ayton problem at any moment in the game. Now, there's still room for him to do that. I hope he doesn't over the final two games. But I think that's a really interesting thing when you look at all that's good about the Suns. It's like, yeah, if the Suns ever want to get to the next level where they're just like flat out unstoppable, you've got to figure out how to get your really, really talented two-way big man involved in stuff all of the time. Because there are times in the game where... Really, are the Suns using him any differently than the books are using Brooke Lopez or Bobby Portis? Which the books' whole approach to it, much to our chagrin at times, has been like, yeah, it's not really about those guys. We'll just play them where we can and then we'll move and we'll look for something else. Like, Aiton is on the floor more than those guys, but he's not getting featured a whole lot more, which is pretty wild considering his abilities. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, 
and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, JJ breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, there was a there was a point early on in the series where I thought, oh, DeAndre Ayton is going to be a massive problem in the series. But like you just said, Adam, he's just been marginalized, especially with the way that they're sh- uh, shunting the offense towards more of a Devin Booker style compared to a Chris Paul style. Uh, you guys want to know something a little bit fun about Chris Paul? Uh, he's already complaining, by the way. Uh, <laughs> about what? Chris is Paul LeBron, said, LeBron beside him while he's doing it? Like I'm behind sure. him? Oh, man. Uh, Chris Paul said they have to be better on the rebounds because they couldn't gather from the missed free throws by Giannis Adetokubo. This is from Chris Haynes, by the way. Everybody is anticipating him to miss, even him. I'm so sorry, Chris Paul. I'm so sorry. That's, that's terrific. Everyone's anticipating Chris Paul to turn the ball over. and Oh, he only had one. He had five fouls, though, in this game. Listen, that's a great little shot. You know how Giannis is going to react? Not at all. He no, he's probably going to be like, oh, I'm going to be like, okay. Why yeah, you're right. right. I, I missed some free he's, throws. He's going to so go just win make a him. championship. But like, who cares? Game, like, so. yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't need to make the free throws. I mean, yeah. I would like, I would yeah, like him not better, to go with empty trips, like with two to three it's minutes. It's not left. empty if you get the offensive rebound. That's true. That they score off the offensive rebound. I don't think they did in that case. That's when their possessions got bad for yeah. a little they, moment. I think I they like, were out of gas. I think they were just they were so drained. It looked like. Which fair? Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't that mad about it. I understood, but it was like, okay, there's a minute and a half left. It's like a three or one point lead or whatever. Now you just have to be great. But I did think near the end of the game, and I am all for this. This is probably a conversation we could be having in the next week or so on very different types of podcasts. Um, but it's amazing to think that Chris and Drew are like jetting off to the Olympics in a few days. It's just with it's, Booker. <laughs> with Booker, I, I'd love to be like on the plane there, where maybe they can wear like their champions hats or something like that. It's tampering season. <laughs> Booker sitting opposite them, but it, you look at the kind of what they've put in um, over the entire run, but even more as you get to these kind of games, and it's like they're going off to an absolute mess of a team USA, which at this point is like, my God, we need those tr- three guys who are making shots in the finals really badly. It's kind of funny. I, don't, I mean, Keldon okay, and JaVale will save him. Keldon and oh. JaVale just pulled up. I don't the, think they have any I'll get, problems. I'll get Keldon is fine. JaVale. <laughs> I don't, Keldon is not I'm fine, a big Keldon Johnson fan. I can't believe another nondescript Spurs player ended up on one of Coach Pop's USA teams. It's a really weird thing that happened. I can't I don't believe know which, we're talking about Keldon Johnson and JaVale McGee right now. I don't know which reporter it was, but they're like, you know, He's gained big support among the coaching staff in recent days. Like, <laughs> in recent days, I'd be worried if I was him. If it's only in recent days, um, Enough I thought Kelton Johnson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about Drew. Um, I think the play that sealed the game was kind of a perfect encapsulation of the game he had because it was excellent and it was also audacious. So <laughs> completely. 
It was like one of the ballsiest plays you've ever seen. And not in like you could say that about Giannis, the sun block as well. But this was like a whole different level. So Devin Booker driving. What would were the Bucks up one? Up one. Up one. And Drew just rips the ball out of his hands. My favorite type of books play is just when it's, Drew just, just takes tears it. the ball from someone's hands. Had three steals in this game. Um, dribbles up court and looks like I think there was 19 seconds or so on the clock, or maybe nine seconds on the clock left. Nine seconds, I think. And I thought, oh, he's, he's got a little bit of window here. He can dribble it down, take a couple free throws. Here we go. Suddenly, and we're not confirmed yet, Adam thinks that Giannis calls for this by pointing up. He does call for suddenly, it. Uh-huh. The, suddenly, Drew is throwing a pinpoint perfect alley-oop to Giannis, who is flying down the court full speed. I didn't think he looked like he moved all that well throughout the game. He sure did on that play. Two straight games decided by a Giannis ridiculous, ridiculous play right at the rim, which is fitting uh, in the end one. Like an and one that should have been a flagrant, by the way, because Chris Paul is shoving Giannis midair. Shocker. But um, it was just like, I didn't even know. Like, I couldn't even comprehend it. Adam, I know you hurt your foot celebrating. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what muscles there. I don't know. Rohan, but, uh, yeah, Which he would. One? But we'll have a like a consultation yeah, yeah. Um, after the pod. <laughs> uh, but I... I was jumping up and down like a crazy person. Like, oh, I, I mean, fell on I fell on the floor. Like <laughs> it's just uh, just all of the emotion and energy that one the players put into it in making those decisions and Drew being like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna take this from Devin Booker," because Booker had got to the spot where you just know, like, if Drew doesn't do that, he's gonna just rise up and he's gonna hit that short kind of mid range jumper, and the Suns are up one, and we're all like. Oh God, we've got to do this all over again. You know, we've got to. And honestly, I've I've been very confident in the books last few games. I think if they blew that game the way they could have, I think it's done. I honestly, I think that would have been so crushing in the fort when you've got your guys have played so well overall. You haven't really done even that much wrong when the Suns started to eat back into it. It's like if the Suns had have just pulled that off, I I think the Bucks would have been in big big trouble. But instead, Drew's just like, yeah, that's my ball. And then, as you said, it's like something that I never really knew about him or had never registered before he became a book, and even more before the postseason, which is he's just this showman. Just every now and then, like just these unbelievably flashy plays. It's usually layups. I think this has come up quite a few times. He's better at ridiculously complex layups than he is like the simplest of layups. But that pass was so, so good. And then Yana's just staring down the camera after it. Yeah. It's like, it's game five of the finals. You made that play. And you're just like, you know what? I'm going to pose for the cameras here. That's This is a whole different level this team is operating on. And the whole play, what I love about it is it's just... It's like we're going for the jugular, you know? Yeah. It's like, let's just do this thing now. You could dribble it out. You could be like, okay, we're going to run down the clock. You know, we'll get into something. We'll get into some late offense, which is what was happening late on when they started to stall. They weren't getting into sets kind of anywhere near quickly enough. But no, it's like, let's put it up there and let's let Giannis go and get it. That's it. That's, that's what kills it off. 
I'm currently watching that play on loop, by the way, <laughs> throughout the time you're talking. And one thing I did notice while watching this, uh, the Bucks Twitter has a fun angle of it. Uh, Chris in the backcourt is also pointing up, saying throw oh. the lob. So Chris and even oh, though Drew could not we see We know Chris if Chris was the guy there, Chris would have thrown the lob. Now, whether the lob would have been like, <laughs> maybe that Suns fan who was, you know, waving $100 bills around, he was a few rows back. He might have caught Chris's lob, but Drew's was right in the money. Like but that was just, counting how much he incredible. spent to watch his team lose to Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Pat Connaughton. That guy, Pat I'm oh. sorry, that guy is the biggest loser fan I've seen in the entire playoffs. Just, I just oh, yeah. incredible douchebag like, energy. Just what is going through your mind? I, I don't even, even that, understand. It makes no thing. sense. Well, yeah, I think Bomani Jones put it perfectly where he said, uh, why are you trying to get robbed? <laughs> Also that, yeah. Who carries? But. Who carries? I I checked my walls here beside me. I checked it. I was like, it would be great if I had notes just so I could record myself doing a bit <laughs> at the end of this game. You know, I don't. This is twenty twenty one. Who carries lo- lots of cash around? Let alone hundred dollar bills to a game to just be like, oh, you know, that guy wasn't on camera late in the game because I recognized somebody was just over for him. So I was <laughs> like, yeah, you know, someone might have seen him. I mean, like, yeah, let's get the guy who's just, like, waving a grand around in the air every time Giannis takes a free throw. See, the thing is, like, you plan that. So that guy, before the game, is like, oh, this is going to be awesome. I'm it's just going to bring it. And he doesn't even know that he's going to be on camera. I think. He's just doing that because he wants to. He's like, oh, this is going to be a great bit. Everyone's going to see it, even though I don't know that it's going to be on national TV. This is like Jordan with the hat, if, if yeah. that was a, just a terrible idea, which, of course, it's not. Yeah, no, it's no. a lot different. This guy's like, nah, I'm going to bring $100 bills to the game. Dickie went to like the ATM on the way to the arena. He's like, you know, I need to, you know, I need to need to get some money out here. You know, I need I, to. I don't how know how that, that works. Work? I don't have that kind of cash to float around. That's so. true. <laughs> I don't know. But also, but it's just I, ridiculous. I, you could yeah, big time yeah, tie yeah, over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, the Drew Holiday stat line, 27 points. 13 assists. I remember he got his 10th assist sometime in the second half. And I was just like, holy shit, Drew Holiday has 10 assists with everything else that he's been doing. And that's when it kind of sinks in. Like we almost hand wave his assist totals in the bad games. But it's like, okay, that's great. But could really be providing more. He just does that every time, no matter what. Like the defense and the passing. Although there's always some some bad passes. Only two turnovers in this game. So maybe not always. But there's some bad decisions mixed in there. But he generates assists in every single game. Continued to do that while putting up 27 points on 12 for 20 from the field. Three for six from deep. Another shot-making clinic from Drew. Four rebounds, three steals, one block. It's just, I mean, it was a game for a lot of guys. that This won't be, I think, remembered as the Drew Holiday game from a Bucks perspective. But this very much was a Drew Holiday legacy game. Like a lot of doubts in Milwaukee and Wisconsin and, and outside from everywhere about him as an initiator, him as, you know, a guy on this kind of a role on a championship team. Again, still a game to go for the Bucks, but I mean, a lot of doubters quieted with this performance. I mean, it, myself, us included, like it was masterful. He, he got it done when he needed to get it done. I'm going to, I'm going to say I call this performance. Because I did call this performance. And you know what? I'll call a bad one in game six. <laughs> I'm sorry, everyone. I don't think but so. 
I, I, I honestly, think I think so. it's who he is. And I think it's fine. Like, I don't, I, you can win a championship with him. I think part of what shows is, you know, if your other guys are good enough and they show up, like, that should mesh really well. I, I love what he's giving them on defense in the series. I don't know how much credence to give to a lot of the opinions that were flying around. Like, you're, you're saying ourselves included. That's fair. We've been critical of his offense because his offense has been bad. This is not the place that anyone's been coming to to hear people being like, you know, the books would have been better with Eric Bledsoe because that's just not true. We all know stupid. that. It's just, it's so stupid. It's never made sense. Like, Drew Holiday's value has been very clear in the fact that the books are in the finals, but his chance to win a championship. It's like the fine margins are things where you could never, never get over the top and get out of the East with Eric Bledsoe. That's just the reality of it. I think Drew Holiday is really, really good. He's who we thought he is. I still don't think he's great, but what he has in him is a great game. Like, again, if if we're going back to the measure of not Bledsoe because people are comparing him, but Bledsoe because Bledsoe was what went before for the books. Like, Bledsoe does not have this game in him. He does not have it in him to do what Drew Holiday did in this particular way. And that's really the difference. Like, that unlocks so much more for the team. Doesn't mean Drew can do this every night. Doesn't need to do it every night when he's playing with Giannis and Chris. And I mean, we'll get to Chris. I will get to Giannis. Both of them are just insane. Like, absolutely. Chris Middleton, like the final few minutes of the game. And when he's going back and forth with Booker, and you're like, remember when Kevin Durant was the best player in the NBA like a couple of series ago? I guess it's just Chris Middleton now. It's incredible. Um, and one over Crowder, I think. I guess we're going to say, unless Rohan has something, we can get back to Drew later. It doesn't matter. But no, I, I don't want to derail us, but go on. The end one over Jay Crowder that Middleton hit when this was the point when you mentioned it, Adam, the Bucks offense had stalled out, like nothing was working. And they and I remember thinking when they brought when he was bringing the ball up, a three here would be so huge. Don't even remember what the score was, but it was tightening and it tightened further after this. But obviously a game this close, every point matters. And he just hits a step back on the left elbow over Crowder and draws the foul. And it's just like. My God, dude, like he had so many moments in that fourth quarter for the second straight must win intense, you know, series defining game where basically every play you needed him, he was there. And it's just like, again, like same with Drew, questions are being answered. Doubts are being erased like legacy is being built right now. I mean, I don't want to get into it entirely, but we're one more win away from Chris and Giannis being two of the greatest four bucks ever, at least. At least. Ty, we're already there. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, we're, we're there already. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Yeah, Giannis is, you know, two. at worst, number two. He's two for a couple more days. Yeah. And I think Chris is right there. Like we we talked to this, I think it was earlier in the playoffs. It's like yeah, you, it was you really in this at, series. I think it might be. You like you look at where Chris stands in like all time books records, and he's like a season away from closing in moving top four, top five, and a lot of them. You know, look at the years left on both guys' contracts and the potential for them to basically see out their careers in Milwaukee. It's like oh yeah, yeah I'm talking I, about like. Next week, we're going to be like, it's no doubt. Maybe two of the top three. They could be one and two. Yeah. 
They could be one and two. Nah, that's not next be. week. Not next week. They won't be. There's a there's a part. This conversation. Wait, wait, Adam, Adam, one second. Ty, what? This is completely off brand for you. Why are you not going with the scorching hot take right now? I I say shit that I believe, and other people determine if it's a scorching hot take or not. That's not up to me. I'm not Skip Bayless or freaking Perth <laughs> sitting over here going. What's gonna ratchet up the social media? That's, I don't that's care. fair. That's like, fair. I said, I you know what the Pat Connaughton thing came from? Me appreciating the hell out of Pat's game seven, and I was just like, hey, I feel like so if he sincere. keeps this up and they win, I, I think you got to do oh, yeah. it. And it just became a thing. I I believe that everything that I say, every you, single okay, one. that is true. You need to check right? the tapes on this one. No, no, Rohan, I'll I'll allow that. That is true. It was a sincere take. It was not meant to be. But when Ty realized that the world thought this was the most scorching take, now he made sure bit. to bring now it up in yeah, every single different. podcast that's he's different. ever done since. A bit is different than a take. You did some guest spots the other day. I didn't get a chance to listen to them yet. I, I've uh, no doubt that you were like, you know, I did. I, did bring it up. You, I, I, did I knew it. it. Of course There's you value did. in a bit. This is IP that's being generated. This is That's how you my go. entire brand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Remember haikus, Ron? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Lavar, I mean, you you're a bit master, and I mean, Jordan isn't here. Jordan is like just a, a living, breathing walking. Oh, I mean, you can do the Lavar thing. There's a uh, some metric Chris hit. The Bucks are undefeated when they do it. No, a buddy of mine just texted uh, me something that's even better, and oh, I'm gonna tweet go. out. I think it's is it 25 points, or when he shoots 45 percent from the field, or so, either way. On the on the one and two, you know, greatest books. This is always a conversation that has more nuance to it. So it's just very hard. People are like, oh, it's that guy. This is the reason why I've always argued that Moncrief is like right up there. And for me, is right in the mix for greatest book of all time, despite the fact he never got over the line. I think you've got to factor in a lot of the feeling towards Kareem. I also think, though, with this Bucks team, the difference between 71, and this is not fair on the 71 team, but the difference between the 71 team and this team, if they do get over the line and find themselves as the second team in franchise history to win a championship, in 71, they came into existence, you know, blink, they draft Kareem, blink again, they're NBA champions. (laughs) You know, it's like, this time around, you get, one of the greatest players of his generation, 15 overall. You get Chris Middleton as, you know, kind of a throw-in. People now get weird about this, but he was. People get weird and like, no, no, the books wanted him. It's like, yeah, but the Pistons were prepared to throw him in, which is how that yeah, works. It was, like, the salaries fit better or something. I'm pretty yeah, sure. exactly. Yeah. You get that. Which Those guys. Of... That's what I think. But people now push back on that. It took them years, though. It took them years of going through it, of playing together, of working together, that I think when those two guys reach the summit, it's going to it's gonna stand out in a different way because book fans aren't going to just cherish the moment where they do it. They're then going to, you know, retrospectively be able to apply kind of rose-tinted glasses to a lot of the stuff that oh, went before I'm and, en- and enjoy that. the journey. For sure. Like, it doesn't change who's the greatest, though. It might. Oh, we, can, we can do a whole different offseason pod. We, uh, we will. We will. We'll save we will. it. We'll save we will. it. But that's that's my only. I'm just putting my argument out there because I don't yeah. want anyone to think I'm getting into Ty Windish, you know, hot takes business. 
Rohan, talk about Chris. Or do you have a? Do you want to do? Your, are you doing a tweet right now? Or do you want to talk about Chris? He can nah, multitask. I already tweeted. Oh, you got the tweet. Okay. Yeah. So Chris James Christian Middleton out here. here we go. You already Respect mentioned him. It. You already mentioned it, Ty. Uh, at the end there, going shot for shot with Book. This is just who he is now. We've seen this time and time again throughout this postseason. And even though we've seen it sprinkled in there across regular season games where it's just like, oh, Chris Middleton can hit a big shot. It's like uh, before this postseason run, what do you think of? You think of uh, Brogdon passing to him at the top of the key against the Bulls, like before his game winners in 14-15. You just think of him against Boston, the half-court mm-hmm. shot. You just you think of these random one-off games. It's too many now, to remember. <laughs> yeah. Now it's every game. It's every close game. Chris Middleton is going to go down at the end, go down on offense. He's going to make a play, and it's going to be successful most of the time. I don't have exact statistics, obviously. Enough of the time. That's the enough of, enough the, time. of the time. Enough to get it done, which is the story of this Bucks team. I'm glad you said that, Ty. That was perfect phrasing. It's the book enough to be to get written it done. about this book season. It's called Enough of the Time. Yes, enough of the time out with Ty. <laughs> that's, that's that it, almost though. worked. That that's, almost worked. Yeah, <laughs> that is like we're gonna just keep saying it. We're gonna be saying it hopefully for fifty years after this. But like they they're doing exactly enough, and you, we would prefer it to be cleaner. No. Maybe, maybe. No. But this is this does for feel like my, the Bucks' way to do it. For my uh, we don't live longer. <laughs> yes, sure. Like we don't live longer. We'd like it to be. Uh, you know, just a, a little bit cleaner. Um, but having it this way, and this is something that we talked about before we started time, before Rohan even joined the joined our Zoom call here, which is, you know, you just get game four, absolutely iconic moment. The moment that we talk about is, you know, the greatest books play of all time. Game five comes along, you get another play that belongs in that conversation. It's like doing it this way, they're producing they're not just iconic books moments this way. These are iconic finals moments. This is like, I don't know if, if we're any of us are really capable of or in the position to zoom out. I saw the tweets tonight, though. You know, I'm not in the kind of, oh, I'm going to retweet the tweets about, you know, what this finals is like as a neutral because I'm too busy like tweeting all caps about Retire Pat's jersey and I don't know, the big guys. But this is a great series. This is a really good finals, like a really, really good finals. And the most iconic moment so far? They both belong to the Bucks. See, the thing is, if the Bucks wouldn't win these games, the Suns would have a couple of those moments as well. Sure. Like that Booker three coming off the curl would be an iconic mm. shot if they come back to win that game. They just don't. They don't have enough to get it done, which is why the Bucks are getting these iconic moments, given that even if the Bucks were not to win this game and last game, that block and uh, the steal and dunk would still be insane, insane plays. They just wouldn't, wouldn't be as highly revered because, you know, they didn't end up winning the game. But they're ending up winning the games. They're making these moments happen through winning the games. That's the entire point of these legendary moments. This is how these are made. It's a, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just... It's just history being written in the moment. We're like we're we're we've talked about this before, Adam. You've mentioned this that we're historians. Mm-hmm. 
the Bucks are writing history in front of our eyes. It's just incredible. We're seeing great play after great play, iconic play after iconic play, legendary play after legendary play, however you want to, whatever you want to say about it. It's just, it, it's incredible. This is not a normal finals. This is not a normal finals by any means, given we are, we are biased in saying that. We have yes, to say that. we are definitely biased. I'm wearing a Milwaukee t-shirt right now. Yes. But there's no denying that the moments that have come from these finals are more iconic than you can say for most finals. Your point also points to Devin Booker, who keeps rolling off 40-point games and losing. And it's like, was he going to get out of the finals? He's really good. He is really good, but, you know... You know, the, the remember the dumb narrative that was around Devin Booker? Yes. Empty stats guy, bad team. Like, that's a really dumb narrative. But you can see the strands of that, like that now he's a good player on a... Not a good player. He's a great player on a really good he's team. He's a superstar. Yeah. But you, you can still see the areas where it's like, he needs to improve still his decision-making. He needs to know how to get the team firing and not just himself. But that comes in time. I think we've we've had a chance up close and personal to see that's a journey that takes time for stars and superstar players in the NBA. I think I'm making gonna irritate some Suns fans. I dubbed the Drew Dianis Eliup the Valley Oop 2.0. Oh. Hard to argue, man. I like what happened it. in the finals. Um I like it. I don't even remember the other one. Uh, it was Aiden's tip against the Clippers with like no time on the clock. Who cares about that? <laughs> the Clippers. Who are the Clippers? Come on. Uh, the entirely Kawhi-less Clippers. Was Kawhi, Le- oh, yeah, was Kawhi Leonard on the floor? Come on. He was Take, maybe Drop to 2.0. That's what I say. If you really want to get spicy, Ooh. drop to 2.0. I don't hate that either. <laughs> we are getting spicy on this Speaking one. And deservedly so. Go ahead. Speaking of spicy, Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Tinkle King. 32 points, nine rebounds, six assists. And no first quarter toilet breaks. No tinkle in this one. Well, tinkling metaphorically. Uh, 14 for 23 from the field on Phoenix is what I meant, Adam. On Phoenix. Oh, um, okay. Well, that's uh, that's much worse than dropping well, no, the 2.0. I, I don't like that I had to explain it. Yeah. Four for 11 from the line was an issue, but they got over it. Five offensive boards. They lose Giannis's minutes by seven points somehow. The early second quarter run without him is like the, the plus minuses from this game are quite frankly hilarious. But I just I think fitting with everything else enough to get it done. I, I didn't think he looked his most comfortable or mobile for parts of this game. Like didn't like he took forever to get up the floor a few times. Granted, outside of that early second quarter, he didn't really sit much at all. A minute here or there so you can see it but he gritted it out for the second straight game and when the team needed him the most he he was there all the way there can we add something on that important stat ty what zero turnovers oh yeah Mm. and zero for him two for drew with all that ball handling and shooting this is uh over the last three games now Giannis has a combined two turnovers wow he had one in game four. He had one in game three. In both games one and two, he had three turnovers each. Do you That's have his huge. fouls from 
like because this is the other thing. It's just like you consider the Giannis journey two tonight. He had five in game one and three in games two, three, and four. Like he's just managing that really well. The one thing I want to say before we get too deep into Giannis's game is his brother is in health and safety protocol, and that will have thrown his day off. You know, we know what the, the pregame routine. One, we know Giannis is a creature of habit. So two, you're going to have his brothers in health and safety protocol. There's likely some concern there. Then you don't have him, someone I'm sure Giannis talks to a lot before the game, someone who he may do some work with throughout the day. Plus, Josh Oppenheimer is not on the bench. He is he is Giannis's guy. And amazingly, he hasn't been there for three games and nobody reported this or noticed before today. It's like, where, where are the eagle-eyed people in the arena being like, oh, Giannis isn't working out with this guy? Like, seriously, did reporters just be like, mm, maybe we shouldn't report this, which if that's the case, fine. But how have I not heard about this in another way? I was really... It's the well, same thing with the Woj thing earlier in the season when Costas was just gone. And it's like, oh, he's been gone. And just no <laughs> yeah. one noticed. Yeah, Costas is gone. Oh, yeah, it's been uh, two weeks. Oh, okay. Although I think Giannis's guy versus Costas on the Lakers in the first round is a bit of a different orders of magnitude thing. But yes, it is. But when, you, when he's losing the guy that he works out with pre-game, like his individual one-to-one guy and then Tanasis isn't there as well like that's a lot of disruption for Giannis being the creature of habit that he is I just think like that's not to be underestimated too I had a feeling coming into today all day I was like uh, this is I this is Giannis's night this is like where he's really gonna go and cement for himself and you know it kind of was in a different way which we'll get into now but all of that then starts to unfold and come out. And I'm like, mm, this is tough. You know, like one, there's a lot of questions we could probably have and ask about health and safety protocol. And I hope that I hope that we do not find ourselves talking about that over the next couple of days. But just generally with what that does to him mentally, how that affects his usual routine, I, I thought that's not to be just kind of dismissed. And yet, you know what? Giannis is just... Giannis. So he comes out and he delivers no matter what. Yeah, just first and foremost, yes. Making sure everyone's okay and making sure that we don't have to deal with this. That's the that's the most important thing because you don't want anyone to be involved in the health and safety protocols whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you know, you want everyone to be safe. Again, everyone, please be safe. I say that at the end of every episode. Um yeah, it's just uh it's just wild how resilient this team is, and that's just another example of it. Whatever hits this team, they're they're fine. Maybe they it, they take a little bit of a hit here and there. They're gonna get they're gonna get right back up. They're gonna bounce right back up, and they're gonna you know what? If someone hits them in the face and they fall down, they're gonna get up right away, and they're gonna kick them in the dick, and then make them <laughs> fall down. <laughs> that's what this use, team is. like the, you know, if we're gonna put the explicit team, tag yeah. on there. You might as well use it, Rohan. We're getting so, into it. Inspired by your Chris Paul work. there. I think seen that happen on the court yeah. a few times. Rohan's just counting with the hundreds there. We, yeah, we have a CJ McCollum tweet alert. Do we oh, actually? Oh, I'd be yeah. waiting for what <laughs> it is. Two-pointer. Let me, let, I need to go and be ready if, for this. If Bucks win this series, how many votes does Mitty at Chris22M get for finals MVP? Brub and serving and closing. 
He then did follow it. So I think somebody somebody said, hey, CJ, it's, you're getting a little ridiculous. And then he said, I think it's Giannis too, but Mitty for sure. Good for some votes too is all LOL. We also I, have Spencer Dinwiddie saying, just thought of an interesting what if. Maybe Marvel inspired me. Giannis is out for game six due to health and safety protocol. Close contact, but the Nassus. Bucks still win. Does K-Mid get finals MVP? What? That's not How about we just don't terrible. even go what down that road? How about as another player in the NBA, you just don't tweet shit like that? Look at what, This is the first thing he's tweeted about the finals. I think CJ had to tweet the second tweet because I think Buck's Twitter is reminding him that his, his franchise bullshit, player, his franchise player on 4K said my team isn't good enough and we need major changes oh, this sp- week. Oh, did Dinwiddie reply, reply to it as well? Let's not take this so seriously. Giannis deserves Finals MVP if Bucks finish this thing. Bucks Twitter is on their asses about this, and it's incredible. Uh, we also have another player also saying things about the Bucks, and it's once again Victor Oladipo. Oladipo film study, getting ready, yeah. learning the coverages for next <laughs> Just, year. Baby. He's at the game. It's a study session. Like this guy is thirsting he's, hard. He's eyeing up that Dante spot. He heard Adam McGee report. He doesn't think he'll be back. Adam, the newsbreaker. That's not newsbreaker. I just do not think Dante will be back. I know it's not. What, does, just like what is happening? Vic There's is, no reason for the books to bring Dante back. Vic's like gunning for that two guard role. They've got no. They've got no. They've got nothing of value. It's like the guy's injured. Do you want to pay his contracts? Like with what you might have to worry about other people. The thing with Dante, just with Dante coming up, and this goes to your point, uh, Rohan, about you know. They just whatever, whatever they get hit with, they just take it in stride. And they're just like, yeah, don't care. Just going to keep walking forward here. It's like you watch those eight minutes of Jeff Teague and the first quarter into the second quarter. You're like, that should finish them. You know, that's where without Dante, this team should just be toast when he has to play minutes like that. And yet, no, no, they're not. They could just weather that storm and keep on going. It's amazing. The dogs. Yeah. What a team. What a all around team. I mean, it's like I didn't even I didn't even count them out after the first quarter. I was down bad, but I was like, sixteen points, it's a lot, but it'd probably take I mean if they play good ball, maybe sometime in the third, they could tie it up and then it's anyone's game if a few things go right. And then it's like six minutes without Giannis into the quarter, and it's it's like the the lead for Phoenix is just gone. And we talked about how the vibes for the Suns after game four must have been a little bit tight, a little bit like, oh, that's that's a tough one to lose. I mean, talk about mid-game having to deal with, oh, yes, perfect quarter. We got this big lead, carry this home. Even if we don't win game six, it's all good. We get to come back to the Valley, and it's gone, like immediately gone, while the best guy in the series who plays for the other team is resting up. Everyone else on that team is kicking your ass and the lead is gone. And then you lose after all. And again, I mean, we've, I think fair credit, like not even criticisms, just notes on Booker and the way he plays. But that guy, he's unflappable. He's going out and making the shots no matter what. And honestly, most of the Suns did, as we mentioned. But I just think it's got to at some point be like, Jesus, like this, why, why don't they stop ever? Like, <laughs> it's got to be now. Booker's got to be like, what? Do I need to go get 70? And it's like, no, you'll lose again. Yeah, I was going to say, it'd be 0-2 in games when you drop 70. Ty, we have an update to your Valley Oop tweet. 
Oh, okay. The Bucks took it. No shit. Yeah, they did. This is not the first time that this has happened. They also no, took they took Jordan's sunblock the other day. Yep. When did Great they... job, Bucks. Oh yeah, three minutes ago. They didn't do 2.0 though, so they took Adam's thing. They're they're mm. they have a they're bug listening on the in Zoom on the Zoom call. call. Yeah, they have a bug <laughs> on the Zoom call. At Bucks, let us in the Zooms, please. Um Come before we because uh we might end up moving off Giannis. I just want to say I think this is the best playmaking game Giannis has ever had. Yes. Surgical. I saw you tweeted that Surgical. during the game. It was incredible. There was one possession in the third quarter, I believe, where Giannis was sizing up his defender. And he sort of made a motion. Chris cut, and he got a perfect dump-off pass. Not a dump-off pass, but a perfect uh, pocket pass. That's the word I'm looking for. For Chris, for an open layup, because it's just beautiful chemistry between those two. It's just incredible. It's incredible. You want to know something fun about those two? I have more stats. Um, we we the, do. Always. You know, whenever you say, do you want to know something fun about it? The answer is always. teammates with 1,000 points, 500 assists during the playoff run. Giannis and Chris. 12-13, LeBron and Wade. Wow. <laughs> wow. See, this is my, my one good mailbag question of the winning six mailbag, which if you haven't listened, go listen to that. What? What, what you was had, your reaction there? Well, just you had Me? two questions. So were, were you saying that one of your questions was terrible? Yeah, I didn't think the other one. I didn't think it oh, was. Oh, okay. Yeah, so think go on. Which was the good, was good one good. then? The Giannis and Chris, all the all these things that oh, they yeah, keep yeah, doing, yeah. like – I get I – mean, we were obviously always going to obsess no matter if they scored – both scored 10 points a game and the Bucks were up 3-2 in the finals. We'd be obsessed with what this means for Chris or Giannis. But I got, I, we talked about earlier, I think Rohan said, like this is a, a special, incredible finals with all-time moments. Like I don't remember every single finals. It's like two guys on one team. Oh, now they're the first two guys since, you know, whoever. Oh, now Chris is the first guy since LeBron. Giannis is the first guy since Shaq. Now they're the first pair of teammates since LeBron and Wade on the Heatles. Like, it's incredible the kind of company they're putting themselves in, the things that they're accomplishing. And I just saw during the game, I forget who tweeted it. I'm sorry. I retweeted it, so it's there somewhere. Giannis is now in the top 100 all-time in playoff scoring at 26 years old, which is just like (laughs) – one of those hilarious things that should not be possible at all. Also, I messed up my statistic, by the way. Uh, I said 1,000 points and 500 assists. Say, 500 points, 100 assists. It sounded like a lot. That sounded like I was a lot like, of points. I was 500 ass- It was assists that was really... Assists. I was like, that's a season. I th- they've really been diamond. Um, <laughs> it's the Timofey Mozgov, like glitch stat line, like 90, 90, 10... I have a a question here that I would have thought was completely unthinkable not very long ago. Is Chris Middleton a month away from possibly being like... Hall of Fame, yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's there. It's right there. It's easily right. For the the Basketball Hall of Fame, are you kidding me? He might be three days away. But if you had the gold... No, but um, that's what I'm saying. If you had the gold as well. He could be a guy who's about to have a championship. I just think also this is going to lift him into a different stratosphere this run where you know the way when he's been borderline playoff or borderline all-star and he just kind of gets disrespected don't think that's going to happen anymore like if if he's there in the mix he's going to get that from now on yeah but so if you think of him as a guy who could log multiple more all-star appearances over the rest of his career um who could make all NBA teams, you know, he's been right again in the mix. He could have been third team a couple of times, hasn't quite got there. 
But if the Bucks are going to go and win this thing, and then you know Chris might have to go and save Team USA himself. Yeah, but if Bucks he have if, better odds right now than Team USA does, for sure. But if he does that, you know, you see the impact it has for guys who have a gold medal to get into yeah. the Hall of Fame. If you got a gold medal and a championship ring, and he's got years left on his career, and his his numbers when all are said and done, if he stays healthy, are going to be pretty good. And he is now, what made me think of it is, it's like, part of it seems insane that, say, next year, whether it's the Bucks, it's someone else, whoever it is in the final, someone's doing great stuff. The fact that there's a possibility that these, like, graphics are going to come up of, like, stats of all-time greats and Chris Middleton's going to be there just seems insane. But it is also, I think, part of something that's just completely reframing his standing in the NBA. And that's... You know, CJ McCollum's tweeting about him. Well, CJ McCollum's kind of tweeting sort of positive stuff about the books, even if it's kind of shade at Giannis. But that is that is pointing to just how much Middleton is kind of rising in stature. And, you know, he might have a better chance of Hall of Fame than uh, Pat has of his jersey retirements. I'm sorry, Ty. I think I know why CJ hates Giannis. Go on. I, think I, I don't think I care. But no, I uh, Dame wants to play to with Dame wants to play with Giannis more than he does with CJ. Yeah, Dame wants to play with good players. Who wouldn't? Um, Dame might want to play with more with you, Ron, <laughs> than he wants to play with CJ at this point. Um, Listen, it's, Dame, it's I, <laughs> let's let's link up. Reva, Reva will if if Reva talks to Damian Lillard, Rohan's getting the call. <laughs> Shouts from, to Reva uh, from from Neil Olshay, who somehow still has a job. It's too bad that the. Um, the Suns never got closer, and then Chris answered. He has to wait. He only might only have one more chance to be the single record holder last 25 years, most go-ahead shots in fourth quarter in OT. They didn't have one in this game, unfortunately. Did they need to let the Suns force a game seven so he can get that no, record? No, oh, God, no. God, no. He can, he can <laughs> hold the tie with LeBron. That's fine. That's fine. No, no yeah, shame. Yeah, that was a joke. Not, Don't worry. I know. No shame. It's okay. When not. people bring up the uh, LeBron-MJ debate, and it's like, oh, they go to that stat. It's like, yeah, he shares that with Chris Middleton. <laughs> MJ, LBJ, KM. People are going to argue for a long time. That felt like a Jordan joke. For some Isn't time. Lyndon Johnson Lyndon B. Johnson? Oh. Yeah. yeah, he's oh. known as LBJ, too. I, I know. It of, always confused little, me. When people say LBJ, I'm like... It's a little disrespectful to old Lyndon. It took me out of it for a second. I was like, Michael Jordan, Lyndon B. Johnson? <laughs> All the greatest. What are you thinking of Lyndon B. Johnson? Listen, I'm you know man of the world. I know my history. <laughs> I think people from other countries actually learn about <laughs> other countries. This, that, I, I actually I know quite a lot about Lyndon B. Johnson. Like from anyway, we don't need to get into Lyndon B. Johnson B. right <laughs> now. Um, can we talk about the big guys? I, I mean, I don't yes. have a whole lot here, but it's just part of well, one what I do, two what we've been doing throughout this series. Like, also, all the time. the game. Well, it's just you look at. Okay, plus minus is very flawed, blah, blah, blah. Brooke plus 10, Bobby plus 7. It's like you're winning both of those guys' minutes on the floor. It's beautiful. This is basketball how I like to see it played. Yeah, I thought the the offensive rebounds, it wasn't always those guys in particular, but it felt like the Bucks really leaned into, especially late in this game, we are much bigger 
And that's how we're going to continue to win games. But yeah, I thought again that Brooke I didn't love the start. Just felt like he wasn't the most effective. The Suns are really swarming him now when he has the ball. That's he got he got fouled on the first time they did that. But yeah. that was at a point where the Bucks, you know, yeah, it was if Giannis had been decapitated, there wouldn't have been a foul. <laughs> like that's how the game started. Yeah. It, certainly kind of normalized and to the point really where there was just no whistles for anyone which is fine it's better that than just being too many whistles for one well, especially the other. given how both teams shoot free throws <laughs> that's <laughs> no whistles true. for everybody serves the bucks just fine but lopez is the game when i thought his rim protection got really good and then yeah just it put it in perspective like when ayton tries to post him don't know if we're going to see that one again in this series. <laughs> like, not a not a great look for the big fella. It, honestly, I, I just imagine Brooke being there like, oh, this is great. This is this is very easy. This is – I thought I was going to have to do this against Embiid for like a thousand minutes in the po- playoffs, but Sixers were way too bad. I don't mind doing this every so often. It's, Phoenix has uh, tried to make me work defensively by making me play in space and all that. No, I just yeah, have to be is, big and rules. stand here. Like this is awesome. I mean, the other the other thing for Bobby, I was quite hard on him the last game because he was taking an eternity to just like he release a shot. He was he pulling the trigger. the trigger. We love it's to like, see that. Yes, it's what you're there for. It's what you've become really good at. Those chances come your way. Don't hesitate. Take the shot. And it was much, much faster. No hesitation. And I, I just also thought his motion was just a little bit quicker because it had gotten really slow, weirdly slow. And that wasn't good. There was no overthinking. It was like, I'm here. This is the moment I'm going to do, which again is just like, that's this team. This is the moment. Got deliver. Pat. I mean, we haven't talked about Pat really yet. We did a bit earlier, but I mean, the thing that I regretted when we finished the post game four pod was that we didn't talk about Pat's rebounding yeah. in that game. Oh my he, God. That's where he had every... nine boards and he was coming <sighs> up with, and it's just like you six in this game. Like he's so important, particularly because the books are going to these lineups where Bobby and Brooke aren't on the floor and Giannis is on eight. And you're like, fine. Okay. Giannis can hold his own. It's eight. And the problem then is no book is like doing anything to try and rebound. And then Pat's just coming in out of nowhere. And the upside of that is not only are you getting a lot of those rebounds, but you get to play like where Devin Booker is just so in his head about Pat's going to come and steal this offensive rebound. So he just pushes him and gets called for the foul. Yeah, and that's we saw it on PJ the game before too. Like clearly the Bucks when they stash Booker on those guys, like all that rebounding is getting to Booker, at least a little bit because now we've seen back-to-back games. And that's just one of those like, doesn't really show up anywhere in the stat sheet, but it's an extra possession. It's like that stuff matters so much in a game like this, and Pat has been excellent at that. How about Pat almost scoring as much as Phoenix's bench by himself? Suns bench players scored 15 points. Pat scored 14. How about the Bucks bench outscoring Phoenix's bench by a lot on the road in a game five? Like, what a complete game from this team. But, yeah, Pat, I mean, the shot making. I almost feel like we gloss over it, which we shouldn't. No. Like, <laughs> the fact that he's, beca- he's like, literally become their best shooter, maintain that status, raise the three-point percentage tonight. The way he shoots, I think you said nails earlier, Adam. That's perfect. Like, that guy has never once 
shot the ball. We saw a little bit of we saw a little bit of hesitation in some bad passes early in the series. But when he's pulling the shoot, especially in this game, he's just like, yeah, I'm gonna make this now. Like that's what you have to be. And we can that that can be almost a negative if a guy is pulling excessively when he's really off. Pat's never done that. Like he's he never takes a ton. He never like he's never gonna have a ten three point attempt game. You know he's not gonna get in rhythm like that. But he can come in, take one to six threes, and make about forty percent of them, which is pretty elite role player stuff in the finals. When you're also adding what you're doing on rebounding, everything else, cutting, like just. A beautiful 14 points. The fourth leading scorer in this game, Pat Connaughton. Look, Space Jam discourse is at an all-time high right now. <laughs> Do we have to consider the fact that Pat might have stolen Bryn Forbes' powers? <laughs> he might have. He honestly he's, probably did. He really is, like, because that's how he's shooting. He's shooting in terms of just the no hesitation. Like, go back to Bryn Forbes. Was that, what game was that? Was that game two against the Heat? Yeah. whatever yes. that was so long ago yeah. um, but the way he was shooting at that point is like this was pat all of the time now i was looking before this game i was like well I have a bet on this game i was looking at player prop markets right the over under for pat's points for this game any guesses what they had the market as before Five the game half? no 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 what was it lower it was 13.5. Oh my god. Oh, he actually they, they hit the over and it was and it was sky high where I looked and I was like, that is insane. Pat is playing great. My thought was there is no way he is going to score more than 13.5 points. And he hits the over. He goes and scores 14 points. You're just like, who is this guy? Like it's such a big deal. Um, I don't know, Jordan said this the other day and it kind of caught me off guard and it shouldn't because it's just been, it's been building for so long now, but he was, I don't know, is it for the finals? It might be for the playoffs that Pat is averaging over 10 points per game off the bench. And that's just like, that's game changer. Yeah. It's just complete and utter game changer. Hang the jersey. Did you hear during the broadcast, he took the lead for most made threes in the finals? It's incredible. No player uh, in the NBA Finals is it more threes than Pat Connaughton. Wait, he's averaging this, this was, year. This year, this year, he's averaging seven point two points for the playoffs, ten point eight for the finals. Like he's upped his scoring by fifty percent for the NBA Finals. <laughs> Legacy stuff. I, this it's a, it's, a, it's amazing. It really is. Like it's. That's so wild, and it's just such an outlier. Like, let's be honest, it may never happen again. But he is, he is the Fred Van Vliet. He is the Jay Crowder of this playoffs. Or maybe Jay Crowder is the wrong Jay Crowder for the books, but he's more like the Tyler Hero, I guess, of the Heat's run last year. Like, it's it's truly amazing. But when I when I called him nails, that wasn't just about the shooting. It's just like. This guy is just ready for the moment. He's just like, yeah. And I guess that's where you see just this incredibly gifted athlete, this competitor who was truly a leader two sports comes out. It's like, yeah, you know, my whole life, maybe he didn't always know which sport it would be in, but he was playing for moments like this. He was building, being like, imagine that kind of stage. And he gets there and he just delivers. Like, Amazing beyond just him producing and like him helping the books to win games, my respect level for him goes through the roof just for knowing like, Oh, he's a guy who 
when it matters most, he's going to show up and be at his best. Like there's very, very few guys, even in the NBA, that that applies to. So Chris Anderson and Chris Middleton yeah, have made Chris the same Tidham, amount of threes. Chris Tidham, after the broadcast, said that. Here's the difference. Chris is 15 for 41. Pat is 15 for 30, shooting an even 50% from deep in the NBA Finals. Plus 22 in his 157 minutes. 15 for 41 isn't that bad either for Chris. 36.6%. Yeah, three turnovers, which is something that I've talked about with Pat all year. Is that like, that's the beauty of Pat. It's, it's, he's not nearly as good, but it's like Aiden esque in that. Like, Aiden just does what, like, Aiden takes what's given, right? Like, that's his role. Like, right now, where he is in his career, he's a very elite role player. Like, he takes what's there. That's a role player. That's Pat. Like, Pat very rarely tries too much. How about Pat drawing a shooting foul on Aiden and making both free throws in this game? Like, didn't end up getting Aiden into foul trouble. Aiden plays a ton of minutes, but like, that's the kind of thing where like, what? Like, and it was only two call. free throws of the series, by the way. Of course, like, when else would he draw any? Like, nails, you know. Nails. Fourth quarter, game five on the road, chance to just you know take control of the series. It's like you never shoot free throws, but here's two, and he's like, yeah, cool. I'll make just, both of those. I'll make them. This is nothing compared to, you know, crunching deals and, you know, snapping <laughs> oh up properties. Let's not talk about that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Adam, you mentioned this earlier that Jay Crowder is having like the absolute series from hell. Mm-hmm. Pat's doing that. I know. I, I said this is <laughs> the last episode. No, they are having very, guy. they're having very, very similar series. Jay Crowder has made two less threes than Pat. They have the same total number of points. In similar amounts of minutes, Jay Crowder's played 26 more minutes than Pat overall. They're having very, very, very similar series. What I'm hearing is Pat could be a starter in this league. He could, uh, yeah, honestly. Yeah, on, a, on defending champions. Uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Vic's got some words for you, Adam. Has he? <laughs> I can't believe the Victor Oladipo is going to be a buck. There's going to be more like this. I respect like that he was not near the floor at all that's i just like looked that just up there. There. <laughs> i was like he, no he's just there really he wants a bird's eye view yeah exactly better he doesn't want people like picking him out he wants that when he comes in for a meeting with the books he's able to surprise them you know with all of the all the intel he's gathered i mean if they don't offer him a contract as a player he might be a scout <laughs> no, he's gonna walk into the office. John Horse, like, yeah, we know, we knew this was coming. Like, <laughs> we, you tried, you, you succeeded in your efforts to say you want to be a Milwaukee Buck. It's gonna, gonna be, be really more. funny when There's he's not a Buck. More. I mean, between that, the Porter story about he he gets in touch with Giannis, and Giannis sets the whole thing up like. There's going to be more impact players available for the. I, I will say, I will say, I I need to hear that story corroborated in some way. I just want to hear someone else's perspective of that. You know, when we get oral histories of everything that's happened in the last year, I want to hear all sides of that. Um, I'm not, I'm not saying Bobby is not saying how it is, but I'm just, Bobby is giving his perspective. And I think Bobby's, Bobby's got a very kind of set singular kind of focus where he'll see things through his own viewpoints. Um, but I, I'm curious to see just how much it's kind of wild if that played out exactly like it did, where Bobby Portis is just like, you know, 
remember let's remember where he was in his career before this moment and it's just like you know i dialed up Giannis, and i was like yeah i've been watching in the bubble and this is the team i'm gonna come and you know i'm gonna bring my talents to milwaukee is essentially what happened and Giannis was like you know johnny horst we've got our guy you know no one else allowed day one free agency there's just something, you know, it's all fine. It's, I at think this it's point. not it's not that the Bucks had to sign him. It's that you get a below market rate on an available player because they've hit up Giannis and be like, I want to be there. No, I think it's Giannis hasn't signed the Supermax. Giannis says he wants to also play that. this player wants to come here. You sh- I, I would like this player on the team, and the Bucks get it done. <laughs> I think that's a lot of it. I think that's why a trade happened and another what, trade almost. Was Giannis doing that though? I'm sure I, he probably I, was. Uh, we didn't th- actually. That's the interesting thing because I didn't think he was that involved. But this is another pot. Why do we? Keep it's the- another. No, I'm just. Co- I, uh, no, you it's brought me. It's me. I brought it you up. Brought it's up me. Bit. It's for sure me. Um, I don't know how much. I think we went over most of the players. I, just- the one, the one thing that Jordan has said for a couple of games now, but he's like whispered it because he's Jordan and he wouldn't yeah. want to get too bold with this. But he has been suggesting that this is the reverse Raptors series. Yeah, I've said and that too. we're now like Very there. Close. We are now the books have the chance to do that. I saw and it made me laugh earlier as we were recording. Um, I saw on my phone low post notification come up and Nick Nurse is the guest. Oh man, on the low post. I'm like, oh, this is some beautiful full circle stuff that Nick <laughs> Nurse is gonna, you know, I hope sing the books praises. Um, I, I think but, every coach at this point will. I mean, I think they. They're, they're executing a really strong game plan. Unbelievably you well. Yeah, you, we haven't talked about Bud, so that's a perfect oh, there you transition. Go. Good call. Mm-hmm. Bud's coached the hell out of this team. Really has. He's completely changed every sort of narrative that was against him, and at least my eyes. I'm sure in most, your guys' eyes most, as well. Most. most narratives. I think this game was near flawless yeah. for points. Like. I uh, the Teague, Teague is yeah, the only problem, but you can see how you end up in that spot. And it's the same reason you're in that spot with Teague, like all playoffs. Well, and it's still like we we yelled at, you know, don't don't underplay Drew because of the fouls. Drew still plays like 42 minutes in the game. So it's not like this wasn't a, you know, game three situation or whatever. Was it game three? I think it was game three where Aiden ends up with 24 minutes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like Drew still plays a ton. It was like four minutes or, or so he sat in a row and I thought I mean you can just see like he he just gets so much more serious with the rotations as we go which I don't even know if it's like not even I, it is a narrative but I mean Bud wasn't always coaching like this like he has improved as a coach in playoff series he has lost some of the rigidness that was like really kind of his calling card. For There's no time. rigidness. There's all they none. do is adjust. This is all this team does is adjust constantly. Yep. Maybe too much at times. Like that's hard to say. That's kind I, of the thing they, that, they that people led with for one. this series yeah. too, though. Yeah, they were pre-adjusting when yeah. you may not have needed to do that. It's like come in and just you know give yourself the game to see. Don't come straight out of the gate because that's traditionally the books thing to do as well is to give yourself a game where you're like, well, we're not going to change anything, <laughs> which is really something that has fueled the adjustment narrative. But he didn't even do that in this series. I, I think he's gone from, you know, a liability to 
a good enough coach to win you a championship who is not perfect, which is – I'm not saying he's the best coach in the league, but which is about all you can ask for. He's a championship-level right? coach, which is yeah. anything you could ever want and more. No, literally no one who's ran off a championship run as a coach has had a perfect run. He's been a championship-level coach all along. No, He's been a championship. No, no, no. 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 I, I, I will say that going back to his time in Atlanta – like he he has made bad decisions. He is not a perfect coach. No coach is. How many guys in the NBA are better than Bud? How many guys in the NBA are better than Bud and have been better right than Bud now? all along? Well, right now, I it's probably just not even worth getting into it because obviously it, it's very hard to name a whole lot of names right now when he's one game away from being an NBA champion. But I, I do think that's like that was the thing when the Bucks hired him. That that was the thing. Even like when a lot of the conversations flaring up, it's like, okay, you're gonna change coach. That's fine. There's been times like we were there. We were there in the next series. It's like this is this is going down. They've got to change coach. Rick Carlisle is suddenly available. You know, go and do that. But I think that was a classic example of the kind of coach it takes to be like. Oh yeah, that's the guy. There, there are very, very few of them, and you could go the Nick Nurse route, and you could get a Nick Nurse, or you could get a Bjorkman, and that's how it works. That is how it works. You know, if you play the assistant coach game in the NBA, you are playing with fire. You either come out a better team, you found a really good coach, or the whole thing comes crumbling down. You never recover, and you see that a lot. Good teams. It's not working. Make a change. Go for something different. And the thing just completely crumbles. But with Bud, like Bud is flawed. Bud is still flawed. I think he's always been in the upper, upper echelon. Like if his thing is, oh, he, you know, he great regular season team, but he won't get you. If you're a great regular season team, you're going to go into the playoffs in good shape and you're going to have a chance. There are so many coaches who cannot put a good regular season together. They cannot put a regular season together at the level Bud did. So now that you're seeing, okay, add to the regular season, he's actually putting a really good playoffs together. Like I, I there's I'm not saying there's not an evolution, but Bud when he when he took the Hawks job for as long as he'd been on Pop's bench and as long as he'd been Pop's lead assistant and in such a position of influence, still a pretty young coach. You know, this is skewed a little bit more recently because something like Brad Stevens comes in after him and what a young coach is kind of changes but even now Bud is like is he like 52 54 ish kind of in that age range 51 like he's younger <laughs> than I would say like he's he's not someone who's like in the tail end of his career so him learning at this point he's 51 he definitely looks quite a bit older than 51 and we all know the toll of Bud's emotions that this team and just basketball generally takes, but I, he is, he is right there. You know, he's right there at the point where I think anytime you're to decide you're going to move on from, that's a really risky decision. Doesn't mean it wouldn't have been the, the right decision to make if things had gone differently, but in the spot we're in now, it's like, who are the guys? Who are the guys that you could say are better? You're counting on one hand. You're counting on one hand. And I don't think you'll fill all the finger fingers on your hand in saying these are the guys who are definitely better. That if I get them now, I'm like, yeah, that's the guy. Because even some Monty Williams, great, great season, really good coach. And what we're seeing right now is anyone saying, oh no, I want Monty Williams 
No, because this year has been entirely different. Right now, I'm saying Spolstra, and I can't think of anyone else that I would take clearly over Bud. However, Carla? you you would have taken Carlisle right now, up. right now. I'm not as sure. in as in he has a new job. Uh, that's the score. No, 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 or no. You no, think no, he's no. like he's what? Just based on what I've seen from Bud right now, I'm saying. Oh, I don't know so you think like Carlisle? If Carlisle was available to be books coach in the morning, I'm not sure I'd do it. Okay. Given everything you just said, given everything I just said, Ty and I at the end of last season called for Bud's job, and I stand by that <laughs> based on what we saw. Time for sure, based on what we saw for them, he got he improved to his credit. Yes, he did. He, exactly. That is not why he improves, but okay. No. <laughs> what do you mean no we never said that's why no i know that's that's how it sounded i know you didn't mean that but that's how it came out but Um, no he did improve and that's what i'm saying he has become one of these coaches i thought last season at that level he was he wasn't at the same level that he is right now and i still stand by that he was not that coach at that time it was like clear like you're not that guy pal sort of thing at the end of uh last season he's become that guy and credit to him He's worked on everything that he needs to. It's been an incredible, incredible turnaround. And this season, he has upped his coaching level. He has upped his control over this team, this series, in terms of what he, what buttons he needs to press. And given a lot of that comes with roster flexibility, it's tough to really pinpoint exactly what coaching is in the NBA. But like from an outsider's perspective, at least. But what we've seen so far... He has made an incredible, incredible evolution. He has improved his grasp on everything so well throughout this past year. It's been incredible. It's been absolutely incredible. I, I'll be the first one to admit that I was wrong. Uh, credit where credit is due. Budenholzer, again, I said I'd take Spolster over him, and I'm not sure who else. But the, the other thing I think that's worth talking about, when we get to this kind of point where we are like zooming way out, it's... It's also, it's now that we've got here and he's making a lot of the adjustments and he is finding a way to for seem to win, just as we keep going back to, they're finding ways to win. It also does reframe his entire time with the books differently because like even stuff that they did and did so so successfully in his first year that set them off on like their, their record setting you know, regular season and honestly had them very close in the playoffs. Some of that has been abandoned, but the groundwork laid then remains like how the team has reworked around Brooke, how that still holds up, how you're now a team that you can do that. And Brooke can be a focal point anchoring your defense. He can also be off the floor. Bobby Portis, who's just like very far away from Brooke, he can be in there, can work. Or guess what? You can put them both off the floor and you can have Giannis, you can have a PJ Tucker. Like there's just been so many evolutions that the idea of him not adjusting is laughable. It became laughable a long time ago, but it was in game was still the thing. But it's like he's been doing that. He's been doing that. Rotations are the thing. We said this a lot. Rotations are still the thing. And how he distributes minutes more than anything is the thing. I think the right players generally play with him now. It's just like, would a better coach have a tighter, tighter kind of grip on that where it's like, you know, if Jeff Teague's playing eight minutes, maybe he's not playing them all at once. Yeah, I think that's that's fair to say. But 
that's that's kind of it. That's my only gripe. And you look at two, and there are other people who deserve credit for this. The credit goes to front office for the kind of guys they brought in, the team they built. These guys like to play together. These guys like to play for Bud and for you know guys like Darvin Ham, um, Charles Lee, Vin Baker, people who've been around for a while, and you can just see the unity. I don't know if either you notice like. Darvin Ham on the sidelines every time a big play was made in this game. Like, this is a guy who's interviewed for like three jobs in the last two weeks, has got none of them, and is realistically looking at being an assistant coach again next year. He could not care more about winning a championship. He could not care more. And the players respond to that. And I I have to think that factors into when we're like, they just find a way to win because there is this kind of something special about it they're able to dig into a deeper reserve they trust each other and they go out and play for each other and their coaches and it's working it's it's got them here they're right on the cusp all we need is one more in addition to bud i think Giannis deserves a lot of credit for that because for sure the when you're a franchise player to this extent not even just the team but the organization kind of takes after you and I mean, you had to say, in addition to just all the say, it's just, you know, how you act permeates throughout everything. And I mean, his quote that I think is now going viral about, mm-hmm. you know, if you think about the, if you live in the past, your, uh, is it? It's your ego. It's your ego. The future is your pride and the present is humility. Like, I mean, you look at that, it's like jives perfectly with, the quote about him looking at the times he failed in the past and laughing about it. And just, it just feels like the whole vibe throughout the team. And every time we see like the all access or the clips from practice or the guys talking about each other, like just feels like everyone's in lockstep. They all have a common goal. And I think even more importantly, they just all have this belief in each other and everything. Like there's been so many attempts to make this thing with Chris and Giannis, some sort of rivalry and every time they're asked about it, all they do is credit the other guy for being great enough that they can both do that stuff. Like, look at look at the photo of Giannis hugging Chris yeah. after Game Four. Like that that kind of says it all. Yeah, those guys hated each other before. I don't think any ESPN talk shows are going to get them to do it again, though. I think and they're they're also the they're always quick to point out they're not close. Like they're not off the court. These are not like best friends, but they both just trust each other completely on the court. They're like, that's the guy I want to go to war with. That's the guy I want to win championships with. That's the guy I want to build a legacy with. I think there's almost something cooler about that. It's like when it's just, Oh, these two guys, they love each other. They're friends. It it gets removed from something that's purely focused on. Does this work? And how can we make this work better? It's like, it's business. It's, it is their job, and when the two of them kind of put their minds together and they take to the court, and it's like, it's about how can this team win? It's not like, how can we win together because we're friends? It's like, how can we get this team to win and we'll do it together because we've been in it together from the start, and that would make it all the more special for us. Like that is That's not the usual dynamics. Normally, it becomes this kind of pally-pally thing. They don't like each other. Like They don't love each other. It's not over-the-top they don't dislike each other either. They're like, yeah, you know, it works well. You know, we're cool. But Chris has always been, it's funny, it seems like Greg Monroe was his guy. That goes back to their pistons time. Bledsoe was his guy. Drew and him seem to really kind of tight now. Chris is always like, you know, 
tied at Tristan the hip Donovan to whoever Mitchell. deterred guys. <laughs> it's kind of it's it's interesting that way. And yeah, well, the Allison Pat are just like, you know, challenging each other in the weight room. And that's that's what goes on on the other side of that. But I, I do think the dynamic between them is really interesting and makes it all the more cool because you can see like the affection that's there, but it's affection that's being like it's been earned and it's been accumulated by the errors of battle rather than just being like, oh, you know, this guy is just like me. You know, it's a perfect encapsulation of that. In addition to Drew Holiday, I have another stat. Uh, okay. This one comes from uh, ESPN Stats and Info. Giannis, Drew, and Chris, the fifth, tri- fifth trio in NBA history to each record 25 points on 50% shooting in a game. They're the first to do this since, uh, you know, a couple of, couple of bums in uh, Kareem Magic and James Worthy. Oh, my God. That's in a long time. In 1985. That's quite a long time. So yeah, pretty pretty good. Uh, if you want to say, ah, oh, Chris and Drew, are they uh, they good enough? In second and third best player for a championship level team? They're good enough, just often enough. I don't know. It's the question's still up in the air. I don't know. They're they're up three two in the finals. Who knows? You know the interesting thing about this, and I think it's particularly interesting because like people have like just everyone, people who were way too young who didn't know anything, they've watched the last dance in the last year. Do you want to talk about like third best players on a lot of those Bulls teams? It's like it's grim a lot of the time. Like it's that's not what it necessarily is about. One, if your number one player is like you know all time great potential, which is what the books have here, and we're really seeing that in these playoffs. I don't know what you finals. mean by potential, right? That's well, got, it's potential. It's potential. You You've got to, you know, time great at twenty six. Unless he, you're Mike Trout, right, no one cares. Right now, he's got no championships. You know, we might be two days away from that changing, but right now, he's got no championships. You get number one at twenty six, then you're on quite a trajectory. Like that's the kind of age that the the all time greats do that. Well, but it's like faster than both of the yeah, consensus goes, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Yep. But it's it's also it's like to be in the conversation. It's like, is it about what Giannis at his best can do or some of his numbers? It's like, no, to be in that mix, you've got to be like Jordan or LeBron or Kareem or Magic Johnson or Larry Bird. And you've got to see like year after year, you're doing it. You're doing everything on an individual level. You're helping your team get better. You're going deep in the playoffs. You're winning championships. You know, so that's where the potential comes from. But I, I think like you, that should be an example. Middleton's got some Pippen in him. Middleton's got some Pippen in him in a he's lot of ways. Got some Jordan in him too. Um, he's also in lots of important ways. He doesn't have the Pippen in him, which is great, particularly at the moment. But I think it all kind of combines. And you're like, just seriously, as a Todd exercise, like think of those Bulls teams and think of like third best player on some of them, and it's like, okay, compare that person with Drew Holiday. Like, what's the problem? It's the Warriors skewed this. You know, the Warriors skewed what people think the construction of like a big tree and a championship team is and what the Nets have at the moment skews it further. That's not what it takes, though. It's And it applies for both teams. If the Suns somehow win the next two games and the Suns win it, the same thing applies. Like, Devin Booker and Chris Paul are both great. DeAndre Ayton is very good. That's not... That's not well, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin you, Durant with Draymond at, Green as well. Like if you look at not the Warriors, it's like Contavious, Caldwell, Pope, 
Pascal Siakam, Kevin Love, <laughs> Draymond Maybe Green. Maybe it's Caldwell Pope. Well, yeah, yeah, he was it? I no, mean, I know. Rondo, Rondo, maybe it they was, were the fraud. I think, it, I think it was. Let's KCP. be honest. I think it was. We KCP. can say this now. Yeah, um, but I mean, yeah, Kevin Love, Draymond Green, like Bosh, and then well, who would the fourteen? Oh, Spurs, Spurs, be? Spurs, Parker, Tony Parker, probably. Yep. Yeah, ba- yeah, Bosh. Bosh was damn good. I mean, probably Wade at that point, maybe, but. That was I'd another probably, super I'd probably team. Lean that Bosch. was another super team, yeah. though. And then the earlier Spurs teams, it was like Kawhi, mm-hmm. or maybe Manu at some point. But yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's a good combo. I'm, t- I, I'm mixing up which of the finals was the one they lost. I think it was the one they lost where Manu was just like out of his mind, and mm-hmm. no one else was. I think I think Tony Parker probably for the one they won. But look, it's. I think a lot of the you've got if you're to look at the production of those kind of guys you've listed over those years, you're gonna come close to Drew in some places, different players, so it won't necessarily map out like Draymond being maybe the best example of that. But if you're just kind of weigh up, okay, what does what did our contributions need to be and what did they give? I think it's kind of right in line. Like the books do look like a champion, and they look like a champion in more ways than one now. Like you look at how they're playing, who can deny that this is the team that should win the championship. The way they ended the game, just like the fourth quarter, and I know they they lost a lot of the lead. They still won. But just like the surgical way they approached possessions in the third and early fourth quarter, like this is another thing that was not a bud thing for a long time. But like Chris and Drew either screening for each other or Giannis screening for one of them over and over and over and over and over, generating really good looks like, they, they went away from it a bit. I think they're going to look at tape and acknowledge they were all exhausted and that played a role in it. But, like, they just – they went to uh, the pick and roll, which was a non – not a common Bucks play for a long time. They went to variants of it over and over and over because it's recognized, hey, with Giannis rolling, it's damn near the best play in basketball. Like – even though Drew and Chris are not two of the best initiators of the pick and roll in basketball, with Giannis rolling, the Bucks have one of the best plays in basketball. And it's just what we should do a lot. And they're not overcomplicating things. They're doing it a lot. And it, it worked. And if they can do it a lot one more time and continue to get these good performances across the board, then a lot of things, a lot of players, coaches, legacies become – much more impeach, much less impeachable. Speaking Can of I, legacies, sorry, Adam, one sec. No, go on. Uh, just to follow up on your potential comment about Giannis. Uh, oh Christ! I have another stat. Well, I figured that. <laughs> uh, so you want to know who's averaged uh, thirty, ten, and five on sixty percent shooting in the finals? Giannis. <laughs> That's it, right? That's it. I, I think- just, I just love how. Yeah, of course it's Giannis. Um, you're <laughs> no asking us the question, no but Ty's just like, yeah, Giannis. No, I mean, I think his whole playoff run too. No, or maybe it's just the finals. Potentially, I don't have that in front of me. None of it matters at the rate. You don't want to be Devin Booker out here with forty point games at <laughs> the wins. Sheesh. I'm I'm only talking. It's true. Facts. I'm only talking the truth. Like they they could still. This is what I wanted to ask. Is there any trepidation? Yes. No. Yes. No. 
Oh my goodness. <laughs> like I'm not I'm not saying look, I'm very confident. Very confident. Suns fans listening. We're very confident. I think you'll understand why. Like at this point, you know, home game to win the championship. If the Suns somehow win game six, they will be very confident going into game seven, right? I just think it's all there for the Bucks. Like it's all there. And what fuels my confidence is if they lost game six, I don't think it's beyond them to win game seven. And I wouldn't pick against this team. Like just, oh, you've got to win a road game. They just keep doing it. This was it again. It's like when the must-win road game comes up, the books are just winning it every time now. Like it's it's not something where I'm trying to be cocky or arrogant about it. I just think like this is it. This is the best team in basketball. They're showing it. They're right there where they need to be, and it's within their grasp. And it's like, have you seen how Chris Middleton's been playing? You know what? Forget it. Why am I talking about Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday or Giannis? Have you seen how Pat Connaughton is playing? Pat Connaughton, the line is over under 13 and a half points from in the NBA Finals, and he's hitting the over. It's like these guys are meeting this challenge head on. It's like at this point. Who we wondered if could play on the road has a game like that on the road, up and down the roster, outside of Teague. But they've just they've flipped the series on its head. It's completely flipped. Like the Suns are are really good. So they're going to be there every time. It's not beyond them. It's not impossible. Like if you're a Suns fan listening, I, I admire you if you've made it this far. Like you're unless you're really hateless. I doubt they made it past the tinkle part. To be honest, if with you. if you're a Suns fan listening and you're like, what do I need to believe? But you can believe in your team. You've got really good players. Like uh, Devin Booker may keep rolling off forty points in losses. But that doesn't mean that they may not happen in wins soon. And, you know, all it takes is two of those and you're holding up the Larry O'Brien trophy. But I, I just think it's really tough for them. And to your point, Ty, they must just be like we saw Monty doing his whole, you know, we're beating ourselves because they're winning the offensive rebounding. And, you know, we're giving up this in terms of. God, you're gonna look at those box scores tonight, Monty. And I don't, I don't know. We see what he said in the locker room, but you're gonna look at that. And as a coach, I think that's a really tough one to just pick out the area and be like, "Look, we lost because we did this." Because in a lot of ways, you look at the box scores, and it doesn't even make sense that they lost, but they did lose. And no matter what they're coming up with, the books are just like, "Yeah, that's nice and all, but we're gonna win the championship." Yeah, they're, they're, it's. I have no trepidation, not because there's no shot the Suns win the series. I have no trepidation because I have no reason to believe the Bucks will lose another game because of what we've seen this whole run in this series and this game. Like, there's no reason to believe that they won't win. They just went into Phoenix and won a game where the Suns shot 60-plus percent from three and Devin Booker put up 40 points again. Why is, I, it, I, why is I agree. everyone laughing? I'm only laughing because you are killing Rowan with this. This is like torture for him. That's fine. What you, you, I I'm to with say, you though. I wanted to say they didn't. That's just, fine. They Thanks, didn't Ty. Just, <laughs> well, what, you, what am I going to do? They didn't just flip the series. They didn't just flip the series. What they've done this run is flip the whole perception of this Bucks core. This the Bucks. These yeah, and for longer than that. But these Bucks were like they're the team you can't trust. They're the team that is unserious. They're better in the regular season. They always find a way to blow it. They've done the opposite. 
They've found a <laughs> we way said to all win. of those things because they, they were true for sure. Narratives are true a lot of the time, not sometimes, but they flipped it. They've proven we're not us narrative wrong. based podcasters. No, we're not. We certainly, it's, as Ty has gone over, he does not say things for takes. But don't. no, you don't. I know you don't. It's a joke. He gets very offensive. Twenty-four. <laughs> I think the thing is they've they have earned this. There's a reason yes. never trust never trusted books was a thing because they earned never being trusted. Right? If there's one thing you could trust out the books is that they were completely untrustworthy, and. You just need to look at series to series across this run. Like every series has the thing where you're like, okay, you've got the heat again. You could have ducked them. You know, this is not a good matchup for you in a lot of ways. Oh, okay. You're just going to sweep them. Cool. Your reward for that is you're playing the Brooklyn Nets. You're playing Kevin Durant. You get to see up close that he is just not human. He is better than any other basketball player alive. You know what? doesn't matter. You're going to win. You're going to win on the road. The Hawks, okay, the Hawks are a young, plucky, up-and-coming team. That was some nice respite, but let's not pretend the Bucs didn't face their challenges in that, both in terms of matchup and then Giannis going down with the series where it was. An, an eminently losable series. An 100%. easily losable series, given and what happened. If the Bucs were the team that we feared they were and that everyone else had said they were all along, they would have lost that series like yes. quite comfortably. It's just that's what would have happened, and everyone would be like, oh, you're right. And here they are. And they come up against a team who are everyone's favorite, who have more shot making. They go down 2-0, and now they've rolled off three straight wins. And even in this game, everyone's feeling around watching the game. The Suns cut it to one. This is the run in Phoenix. This is is how you get a seven-game series. Here it is. They win anyway. Like... The only time they've lost past game four in this postseason was Katie's game five explosion when they, they the Bucks played an awful second half. And that was probably Bud's low point of the postseason. 100%. And when Giannis got hurt. The only two times. Like they've they've become the opposite of the Bucks. They went from the team where the adjustment happens and they lose a bunch to they're the team who gets locked into what they want to do and they just stop losing games. Rohan's just beside himself. And my one thing I'll say to you, right? Because if you don't like ties, just I can't see them winning another game or I can't see them losing another game, which is honestly, I'm very much in. They're going to win this series on Monday now. In six. In six. Yeah, in six. I've been, (laughs) I named the podcast many years ago for the past two weeks. And please deliver books. This would be really great for the brand. But. The thing that does it for me is that I, I really do believe they will not lose two games in a row now. That's the thing. And I don't think it matters where those games are. If somehow they lose, and you could lose because the Suns are good, are the Suns going to beat them twice at this moment with the way the books are locked in, the way they've been delivering? It's possible, but it feels super unlikely. Super, super unlikely. And I would, I would back the books to get this thing done on the road if it came to it, which is why for me, I'm like, even for them, having that there, they're going to come out with the urgency. I mean, they came out with the urgency today. You know, They came out with the urgency. They won the game to take control of this. They'll come out with the urgency in game six, but they also won't come out with the pressure of if we don't win this, it's gone, which 
to me may have been a little bit of what Phoenix was kind of dealing with. I think the pressure worked in a different way. See, what both of you have just said is completely true. It's completely factual. I can't argue against any of the logic whatsoever. I can't. But you've been burned before. Is that what this comes down to? Yes. (laughs) I, I cannot count on something that has not happened in regards to this team. I cannot feel confident until it's actually happened. When have um, you been burned, though, like in this way? They've never been good enough to get to this point. Like Toronto. that's the, they, But they didn't get to this point. No, but that series just absolutely scarred me for life. It it's just, like the Bucks. The Bucks I think it's fair. It, Look, that's, it's fair that it scarred you, but there's not even a... I mean, that would have been... There's just... Losing from here is nothing like what happened in that series. No, that's true. But I've seen this Bucks team have a lead and then just... I've Not seen this team... this Bucks I've seen team. this... I've seen a version of this Bucks team absolutely implode at different levels. Yeah. And given, a lot has changed. We've detailed that. And again, I can't argue with any of the logic you guys have made. They're infallible, infallible like, arguments. You, you know how long ago that was? Not long enough. Giannis had not officially won a single MVP award when the Bucks lost to the Raptors. And that's again, I can't argue with the logic. No, but I, I'm just it's just to point out it's like how different of a player he is, right? Like we don't even have to go to Chris. Like, look at Chris now. Uh, just look at him situation. go. <laughs> the Drew Holiday over Bledsoe. Pat Connaughton, then and now. Come on. The version like, of Bud we get now. It's, no, I, you, I get it, Rohan. You guys are right. You guys are right. You know, you know we get it, too. Like, yeah, you yeah. know, because we've been there. But I, I do, like, Game 7 against the Nets was an all-time. I think that's, it's the most euphoric podcast we've recorded. So far. So far, but honestly, I don't know. That was that was such a high. I honestly did not expect it. I did not expect it. I did not think it was possible. And even before we pressed record, I'll always remember, like, we all came onto the Zoom call. We were just basically, like, shouting at each other, like, enjoy. Like, that was the moment where it's like, this is different. Now, that was the second round. So, you know, if they go lose to the Hawks, that would have been dumb. But at that moment, it was like, this is different. This team is different. This is the breakthrough. And from then, I just, I believe in them. And every time they they step up and they deliver, like every time science put chips in on the tail, place your bets, the books step up and they deliver. It's time. It's time to just be able to move past. It's time to become completely insufferable in a different way. There'd be no more oh, books fans, you know, they're really nice, which is something somehow people say. Little do they know, but <laughs> there'll be no like everyone will hate books fans very soon because I've been waiting. Time has come. <laughs> <laughs> I get. I'll I'll be I'll be the face of that once it, if it happens. If it happens, I still love that the most exclamatory podcast title is still that one. They did it! Exclamation point! All caps. That, that's the championship 
episode title really like you know it's like i know we have to brainstorm (laughs) the actual one i think just an omg it's fine it'll be something good uh it'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there yeah 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 also that i've got it we we can just we can top it off there i've got it sounds good (sighs) we've exhausted this haven't we i think we hit two hours Oh my I was, goodness, this is I was winning six esque. I was trying to push it really far so people weren't adding me, and so I had to do another podcast tomorrow, which is what happened last time. I felt bad. I was like, people wanted more. I didn't deliver up to my usual standards of like <laughs> marathon episodes. So I've got us there. Okay. There's one thing left to do score predictions. Oh, yes. yeah. Adam? I, um, you gotta your keep, score prediction you gotta from down, I feel like. Yeah, we got to keep going. Uh, 202 to 4 for the books. Okay. The more the more completely just, you know, the more these are just thrown back in your face as being dumb. These have really worked out when they've got like this. So I'm afraid now to give anything half serious. So the moment I change to just nonsense predictions because I hated this stupid bit. Um the books have been winning, so let's stick with it. Yep. Okay. 198 points, game six win for the Bucks. <laughs> I'm going to say they double their margin of victory, 125 to 117. Okay. I like it. I like it. 125 just, is a clean mark for an I just offense. added two and subtracted two from the Bucks and Suns. Yep. Okay. That's how you double it when it's four points. Well, I just wanted you to know that I didn't come up with the numbers new. I ran an equation. I ran an equation. I did too for mine. Yeah, yeah, equation. yeah. No, what was your equation, Adam? I'll I'll send you all of it's the. Propri- it's proprietary. It's proprietary. I've, I've got like a chalkboard here. It's like the size of the wall, and there's the just like lines stuff. upon lines of equations to get to that 198 points. Books win. Rohan, yeah. it's not your fault. You don't trust the bucks. Yeah, are my <laughs> equations. Yeah. I'm going to say it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a grind out game, and the bucks usually win grind out games. There you One, go. 11097. Not that much of a grind. That's, yeah, that's pretty easy. Kind of After all that, like he but he might believe more than me, really. <laughs> um. the, the real question is, are we gonna punctuate it with another insane Giannis play? We're on a streak now. Yeah, we are. <laughs> might as well, right? What I don't was know game, what's left for him to do? What was game three? I don't know if game three really. We're on a streak of two. Well, okay. game game three and game two were both phenomenal scoring yeah. uh, showings yeah, from. Like he didn't have a moment, bangers. but he's just like, yeah. my God, this guy is dominance. Like so Giannis's series is first game back from what looked like a catastrophic knee injury. What well, probably burger, was a catastrophic knee injury for a for normal person. Anyone else in the world. Yeah. 40 burger, 40 burger, sunblock, value 2.0. Whichever. That's Giannis's first trip to the finals. Not that not not too shabby. Sons are shook. Sons are shook. Adam, you called that out at the beginning of the series. You can you can break this team, and I think the Bucks might have done it. 
I think I've said that at the beginning of every seriousness playoff. Run. <laughs> That's not, not even as a bit. Not that has been my thing though. Of like all these teams, they could be broken, and it, that makes it all the more special that it turns out the books are completely unbreakable. You cannot kill this team. They've been down worse before. They're <laughs> sure have. They're roaches. Yeah. Buxalips okay. is coming. Buxalips is coming. <laughs> uh, if that, we're gonna have to do something fun with that. Uh, Listen, that the roaches happens. would survive. That's the thing. You know what yeah. would survive would be the roaches. This is the Buxalips. Kareem mm-hmm. is gonna fly in on the Phoenix Suns plane and declare Buxalips, <laughs> and all bets are off from there. Kareem made that happen, by the way. Everyone getting together. You see no, I yeah. Just, yeah, you, like, oh yeah, you pointed. Uh, I, I broke that to you. <laughs> um, I can't believe that, but that's something that I'll. Uh, was the, I air the, all my thoughts out. That Deborah publicly. was the manager's name. Deborah. Shouts shout to out Deborah. to shout out to Korean's manager for, for getting great all the legendary books together and getting like the energy from the crowd. You know, maybe it shouldn't be left to Deborah. Who am I to say? <laughs> if I was in charge, I'd be like working the phones now. If anyone's listening from the books, hire Deborah. Hire no, Adam. you don't even need to do that. <laughs> well, one, you could do that, and I guarantee that we'll like honor, you know, legends that may play into some things that Ty wants to see happen. But if you're working for the books right now, like you better be on the phone. Okay, you're getting Michael Red back, and you're getting Kareem and Oscar and Bob Dandridge and Junior Bridgman. But you're also like Ray Allen. I know we haven't had a great relationship. I know we haven't really done anything to recognize the fact you're really good. You're coming to Game Six, Big Dog. You're coming to Game Six, Brandon Jennings. You know the way your teams were terrible, but you said the thing, and here's the chance for that: that you're coming to Game Six. Yeejian. Yeah, sure. That would be great. The whole uh, the whole crowd is just former Bucks. Ton and Delhi, like it's just all courtside. Is former John Salmons, welcome. It's Come just on moment in. after moment. It's like Kenyon one time out, One time out, they'll show uh, John Henson getting ejected against the Grizzlies, <laughs> and he'll stand up, and everyone will cheer. And then the next one, it's the Delhi oop in in that playoff game that took the roof off the Bradley Center. You know, it's like we'll just work the way around. But if you work for the books, what do that? Do it right now. All of the Jareds for I'll sure. Need Vanessa Hudgens singing an anthem or LeBron James at courtside. It's like get every book who's ever mattered, get them there so that books fans are just going to be going insane all game long. That you've got everything there, that there's the feeling of this is the moment. This is the moment all of the years of suffering have been building to. And get all of them to pound a beer. All at once. Question. One question on this. Is Aaron Rodgers going to show up for game six? (laughs) It kind of feels like an Aaron Rodgers thing to do, to be honest. Like, it just... There's a lot of people who are going to want to be at that game. And I think he would definitely be one of them under... I mean, Bakhtiar is taking his seat, so... (laughs) I don't know. I I still... I, I don't think he will. He's going to sip his whiskey on the Jumbotron. Aaron Rodgers, if you're listening, I'm sure you are. You need to come to game six in a Packers jersey and, like, you know, just announce you're coming yes, back. Yes. Yes. The ultimate on the Wisconsin court before the game. Moment. Yes. They show him on the Jumbotron booth, start happening, and then he whips out the jersey saying, I'm back. And then yeah, the place just goes like, wild. He takes a books jersey off, and it's just there's Packers gear, and it's like, 
I don't know. Then Chris Yellick like carries him out in the shoulders. Yeah, he does like, something. You know, yeah, he shows up. It's just come on. We've got a. I'm just brainstorming here. You know, any further consultation needed, you can hit me up, books. If the Bucks don't make Adam, that Adam happen, I think it's a failure on their part. Or Kareem's manager, you can also hit me up. <laughs> yeah, we need Deborah. to take this their own hands. You know, I think Deborah. Deborah, get well, Aaron Rodgers to commit to the Packers. That's all you have to do <laughs> publicly at Game Six. We need that energy. That would be something. <laughs> I would actually be pissed. Yeah, He's an owner. Does he want his team to win a championship? He could you, go you back take, on it next week. No one would notice. You know, he'd be taking the spotlight away from the yeah, Bucks. Yeah, though. yeah, it's he can go sit in a luxury box or something. <laughs> yeah, he, he if he wants to be there, he'll be there, and whatever happens, happens. It can't take away from the Bucks having a chance to win an NBA title in Pfizer in Milwaukee. Somehow they're here. They were down 2-0. They're up 3-2 now. Um, yeah, I think we should probably wrap this up. Uh, <laughs> we have gone full win in six on this episode. Uh, and for good reason. Never, good reason. never go full win in six. <laughs> uh, thank you to the host of win in six. <laughs> for joining. But no, that's, that's incredible. This is incredible. Um, thank you, everyone, for supporting us throughout this journey. It's been incredible. We're not done yet. We still got at least one more. So uh, hopefully it's just one more. But uh, yes, thank you for listening to this episode of the Eurostep Podcast Network post-game Eurostep win in six uh, collaboration here. If you did enjoy the episode, make sure you leave a five-star rating on Apple. Uh, do we have any new reviews, Todd? Oh, yeah, we got a couple. Uh, okay, let's hear starting, them. Starting with... JJ Ugg R U U J F. I hope that's not some sort of profanity slang. I'm washed now. I have no idea. Uh, yeah, I'm sure it's all those catchy, you know, profanity slang. It's, it all sounds text like that. codes, text codes. These kids these days, man. Great for all Bucks fans. Five stars. It's a great start to the review. As an out of state Bucks fan with no friends or coworkers to talk Bucks with. These podcasts are the perfect substitute. A perfect blend of in-depth, detailed analysis, humor, and fandom. It feels like you're listening to your smart and funny friends talk about Bucks basketball. Honestly, when people quote the bits, it's awesome. But the heartfelt reviews, it's just so nice. Thank you, JJ Ugg, R-U-U-J-F. And everyone else who's left a great five-star review, whether it's funny, heartfelt, whatever it is. We appreciate them all. It, I think the variety makes them all feel great, though. It's 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 incredible. Like we say, the support matters to us, and it really does. We're not just saying that so we can get good reviews. It genuinely does. Like it, it makes us feel good that you guys are enjoying our content. That it's it's worth it. It's everyone's enjoying what we're doing and what we're working so hard to deliver to everyone. It's incredible. And we, sub- we thank you infinitely for the support. So make sure you continue leaving reviews here uh, at Eurostep Podcast Network on your podcast platform of choice. Make sure you're subscribed. Check out all of the great content across the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Go Bucks, everyone. We will talk to you next time. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.